Another show of the Sports Limehouse. I'm your host, Harold Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. You can call us at 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. March Madness is here, ladies and gentlemen, as everybody knows. As everybody is picking and moving their brackets, I don't know what they're moving, but they're uh, uh, rearranging dis- the teams. Nice, yeah. Well, rearranging where their bracket is going to be, who's going to be in the Sweet Sixteen, the Elite Eight, and the Final Four, and who's going to win the national championship. So, uh, over the next couple of days, while we're here for Wednesday and Thursday, we will talk about our brackets. We're really not going to get into the brackets tonight. Uh, I know the games start, a lot of the games start tomorrow, but uh, we will slowly but surely move into the brackets. We'll talk about some of the games and and some of the teams that really stand out when it comes to March Madness. So uh, a lot to talk about. Um, As everybody knows, uh, baseball is back and there's been a tremendous amount of trades, uh, some free agency pickups over the last couple of days ever since the lockout has ended. Uh, We will get into that a little bit later in the show. Uh, At 10.30, we'll be talking to NBC Sports Edge betting and college basketball analyst Thomas Casale. He will be joining us. And at 11 o'clock, we will be talking to pro football focus Sirius XM host Brian Drake. He will be joining us. We'll talk a little bit about some of these trades. Uh, Von Miller signs with the Bills, a long-term deal. Uh, six years, over $100 million. I don't know what Buffalo's thinking on that one. I, I don't know. Uh, the Jets made some quality moves uh, when the free agency market opened up. Julio Jones looks like he's going to be released. Deshaun Watson looks like he's going to be traded. There are two teams that really stand out. One, uh, the Cleveland Browns. The Browns add, um, obviously, an ex-Cowboy. No, now an ex-Cowboy, Amari Cooper. <laughs> Uh, and they dropped and released Jarvis Landry, so we'll get into a little bit of that. And where does Jarvis Landry end up moving forward? So, so much going on uh, with with sports. And obviously, the NHL trade deadline is next week. Uh, the Rangers made a trade today uh, or yesterday. Uh, who did they? I, Frank Vetrano. They got him from the Florida Panthers, a third, fourth line type guy. Good, good player. Was a pretty good player on the Bruins uh, team that went to the Cup a couple years ago. So uh, the Rangers made a move. The Krakens are looking around, are looking to trade their captain Giordano. So uh, that'll be interesting moving forward in the next couple of days. So uh, it, it is a lot. There's a lot going on. So why don't we get into that? We will have our guests. On a little bit later in the show, a little obviously later in the show, but uh, let, let's get into the football because it, it seemed like when free agency opened up, everybody was talking, and, and, and really the New York teams. Now, 
I, I will say this. The Giants added a, a backup quarterback, a, a quality backup quarterback, in Tyrod uh, Taylor. I, I think he's... I think he's a quality backup, two years, $17 million. I mean, it's a quality contract. Uh, you, you look at what the Jets did today, uh, re-signing Joe Flacco. You signed him to $3 million. I, I don't expect him to play at all next year. And then Mike White signed, I think, a one-and-a-half, $2 million contract from the Jets. So the Jets have pretty much solidified their quarterback position. They hope that Zach Wheeler takes two steps forward. But going back to the Giants – I mean, adding Tyrod Taylor. They added offensive lineman from Indianapolis the other day. Uh, who? What's his name? Mark again? Lewinsky, and they also added one from Buffalo too, John Feliciano. <laughs> yeah. So the 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 Giants are trying to beef up that offensive line. It's interesting because I, I told everybody that Saquon Barkley was on the trade path, and and one of the major teams right now that is leaking is the Buffalo Bills. And I'm not surprised about that. Buffalo's been looking for a power back, a back that could take on, uh, you know, almost three downs. And, and Saquon could do that. He hasn't stayed healthy for the New York Giants for the last couple of years. Uh, I think Saquon is still quality running back on a good team. He was, and, I, and I'll say this again, I think Saquon Barkley is one very talented running back in this league. I, I, I really do. But when you're playing for a team that drafted you that really need a lot more than a running back. And you don't draft a a running back in a top three unless he's the finishing touches to a Super Bowl. And he wasn't. This team was rebuilding, and they have been rebuilding since Eli Manning's departure. Now, I, I know Daniel Jones isn't a bright spot for the New York Giants, and I know a lot of Giant fans are trying to push him off a plank. But if they give him wide receivers and they give him an offensive line, I think Daniel Jones could succeed. Now, I, I know if you're a Giant fan out there, you're going to sit there and you're tell me, Errol, you're, you're not a Giant fan, so what do you know? And, and why are you even speaking about them if you don't know what they're trying to do or you, you think you know what they're trying to do? The facts are, when you look at the Giants right now, And where the Giants are going, they bring in a coaching staff, I think a quality coaching staff. They bring in a great defensive coordinator that's been very successful in the NFL, coming from the Baltimore Ravens, who uh, I I think is uh, one of the best defensive teams in all of football. You bring in Brian Dable, who I think is a quality offensive mind, who I think could help Daniel Jones grow. I, I, I think some of these wide receivers, even Kenny Galladay, might work in that scheme. Can't be any worse than last year. <laughs> I think when you look at where the Giants are right now, I think they're three years away. Okay? I, I really do. But if you do have a quality quarterback and you do have a quality coach, you can win. Now, we sit back and we could say and we can we can make jokes about where you know Daniel Jones is as far as his growth as a quarterback. And some people will say that he just plain out stinks. But I do believe that Daniel Jones hasn't seen the, the full potential of his ability because the team hasn't built the right pieces around him. Now, I, I do believe the Giants having the fifth and seventh pick, even beefing up the offensive line already in free agency, and they're, they're quality offensive linemen. I wouldn't say they're top-end offensive linemen. I believe that one of their top five, their top two picks in the top ten is going to be an offensive lineman. 
I absolutely believe it. And I think when you look at the Giants and, and who they are and their identity, this draft is just as important as the draft that Gettleman drafted Daniel Jones at number six. Now, again, I could go back and I can mock everything Gettleman has done. All right? There's a lot to mock. There's a lot. But if you're a Giant fan and you sit here today and you say, hey, Daniel Jones cannot succeed in the NFL. Daniel Jones isn't a quality quarterback. Daniel Jones is never going to figure it out in the NFL. Well, then you guys are just as bad and as, I, I guess you could say, I don't even know what the word is. Naive. That's a perfect word. Naive from some of these teams and some of these quarterbacks that have come into this league and failed. Yeah. Daniel Jones uh, was not the main problem with the Giants last year. And I think this coaching staff realizes that. They are on full board with giving him another chance to prove himself this year. Now, obviously, this will be the make-or-break year. It's on the last year. He gets the fifth-year option if he if they want to take it, being he's a sixth overall pick. But they they have to know in his coaching staff whether it's going to work. And they brought in Tyrod Taylor. I don't think they threatened Daniel Jones. I think it's just a, a backup that Dable knows well. He coached him in Buffalo as the offensive coordinator before they drafted Josh Allen. They made the playoffs that year. So... He just wanted a more trustworthy option there if Jones got hurt. Mike Glennon was horrible, and Alex Tanney and all those other guys. Oh, God. So just a more serviceable backup. Yes, the offensive line got better. I'm not going to overreact over any one of them. Feliciano's a solid guard, and uh, Glowinski's okay, but it's not. It's nothing special. They still have to at least address one of those picks, I think, on the offensive line. Maybe not both. Maybe they can get a pass rusher with another one or something like that or go best player available if it comes down to it. But it gives them at least more depth in that area where at, at the end of last season, Andrew Thomas was your best offensive line, and your second best offensive line was probably Billy Price. Billy Price is below average. And these guys are a little bit more of an upgrade over that, but still, again, not great. So it's going to be tough to see what Daniel Jones is still going to be able to do, especially if they do trade Saquon Barkley too, and I think they will as well, because the Giants are trying to shed money, and they're still trying to stay active in free agency at the same time. So how you do that is try to ship away the contracts. Bradbury is another guy that's traded uh, trade rumors as well. Blake Martinez I thought would be in trade rumors, but he actually restructured his deals, so he's going to be back for at least this year. And the Giants lost a lot of the other targets that they had. Evan Ingram went to Jacksonville. Have fun with that. Uh, Sterling Shepard restructured his deal and a couple other things too. So the Giants at least have somewhat of a good pulse on the, I guess, the problems that they had in the past, which is a good sign. They're still far from it though. You're right. Three years away. Speaking of Jacksonville, I, I oh God. some of the signings and some of the free agents that they brought to this team so far this offseason is questionable. Okay. Christian Kirk Getting $72 million, uh, close to, I would say, about $19 million a year is a ridiculous contract. Yeah. And, and it definitely affects Allen Robinson because Allen Robinson is absolutely a better wide receiver than Christian Kirk. So he's going to want and he's going to demand more money. Devontae Adams came out and said that he's not playing on, a, uh, obviously, a franchise tag. So what is the Green Bay Packers going to do knowing that Christian Kirk got a, a, got a contract from Jacksonville, $72 million, worth uh, $19.5 million a year? Now, I, again, you if you want a player and if you're a bad team, you're going to have to overpay. And Jeff says it very, at best, 
Every single time we get him on the show, he says that if if you're a bad team, you're going to have to overpay for a good free agent. Now, Brandon Scherf, fantastic signing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and really, I, I'm very surprised that Jacksonville got Brandon Scherf for $50 million when you got Christian Kirk for $72.5 million. Okay? Because Brandon Scherf is an all-pro. I, I would say I think he's been an all-pro once. He's a pro bowler. Uh, you know, three or four times in his career. He's a talented offensive lineman, and they need talented offensive linemen to protect their franchise player now in Trevor Lawrence. Uh, John has a couple good questions. Uh, Do you think Colts go after Marcus Mariota? Been hearing it the last few days pretty strong. Yeah, it's a possibility. The Colts have the money to go after whatever quarterback they want. Uh, Baker Mayfield, I've heard, is rumored to the Colts as well. If the Browns pursue Deshaun Watson, like Errol was mentioning at the beginning of the show, that's another option for them. Uh, Kirk Cousins is locked up in Minnesota, so that ship sailed with that. And then Jimmy Garoppolo is still the other one that's available as well. Uh, And his second question is, with the signings the Chargers done, would you put them in first in their division on paper? Yes, I would. And I don't like the Chargers. I would put them in first in their division on paper. First of all, if anybody heard last week, and we were talking about on Thursday, adding a a, a talented player, a talented pass rusher, and you know who I'm talking about. The highway robbery. Let's Uh, put it that uh, way. uh, Thieving from the Chicago Bears. Uh, you, You talk about adding a guy like J.C. Jackson now. I mean, you have the best defense. Well, on paper, you have the more most talented defense in all of football. I mean, J.C. Jackson, Joey Bosa, Derwin James. Am I? And we all know about the monster pass rusher that they got over there. Speedy, who was it? Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack. I, I mean, this this defense should be. The more talented, more uh, fun defenses we're going to see in the NFL. And they address their biggest need, too, or at least somewhat. Not, obviously not completely, but run defense was their biggest. They brought in Sebastian Joseph Day as well, a good defensive tackle from the Rams as well. Obviously, it's not the only piece they'll need in the middle, but it's still helpful. And they have depth really everywhere else, and they're young and they're set. And this was a defense that lost all those injuries last year, too. Kenneth Murray was out for much of the season. Like you were saying, Bosa's always hurt, it seems like. Uh, Nasir Adderley was hurt for a little bit. They're starting free safety. So they have a lot of depth now on that defense. So, yes, John, on paper— they are the best team in that division. They're the best team all around, talent-wise, probably in the NFL now. I mean, if you look at them on paper, even their offensive side of the ball, they have Eckler, they have Williams, they have Allen, they have Justin Herbert. You can really argue he's probably one or two as far as the young quarterbacks in all of the NFL. You could say Joe Burrow or him. Those are the two best young quarterbacks in the NFL right now that were drafted in the last couple of years. And, and then you have the offensive line. You have Slater, which they dra- they drafted last year, who to me was as good as any offensive lineman in football last year. I mean, who is more talented right now than the L.A. Chargers? There's not a lot of teams with that much level of balance. The other teams that you would think of as being the most talented top teams, a lot of them are top-heavy. There's not a lot of teams with as much balance as the Chargers. Maybe the Bills or the Browns is really the only two I can think of. Maybe the 49ers. Those are really the only four I can think of. 
It's so interesting when we go down and we go down this list and, and we look at different players and, and, and even the Cowboys. And, and Jeff, Jeff's making jokes right now. Best signing in free agent so far. <laughs> I think it was the Cowboys signing the long snapper, Jake uh, McQuaid. I, I, I don't think it was that. The guy that was there for 15 years, retired, I guess. But Lassador or whatever his name was. I think the Cowboys lost a lot of pieces. And I, I, we expected that. Yes. They. They weren't, and I, I listened to the Beav this morning or this afternoon. He called me and he said they're interested in Von Miller. There was no way the Cowboys oh, were yeah, giving okay. him a hundred. There was no way the Cowboys were giving him over a hundred million dollars. Nope. Okay, I, I was very surprised that Von Miller got that contract. Yeah, yeah that's a huge contract uh, for a guy that is about thirty-one, thirty-two years old, and, and six years. I don't think he plays in the league for six years. Not I only think. that, it's twenty million dollars a season, fifty-three million dollars guaranteed. Too. I mean, that's a lot of money. I, I, again, I doubt he'll make the length of that contract, but still. I mean, three that, years. I think he plays what, three yeah, years. That's what seems safe, yeah. But he, he's still getting $50 million guaranteed. Uh-huh. I mean, that, that's a, that's great for him, not great for the Buffalo Bills because they put themselves in highway hell when it comes to free agent and, yep. and free agents and free agent market now next year when yep. they're trying to go after some players if they don't win this year, this coming year. And there's a lot of good teams in the NFC. It's no more the NFC domination. This, this year you're going to see – AFC domination, the best young quarterbacks, the best quarterbacks in all of the NFL are basically in the AFC. Yes, Tom Brady's coming back. He's coming back with Tampa. Uh, Obviously, what he was, he he was runner-up in uh, MVP voting. Aaron Rodgers from Green Bay, going back to Green Bay, signing the $50.5 million contract a year. He'll be over there in the NFC. But besides those two quarterbacks... There isn't a quarterback that really stands out. I don't want to hear Dak Prescott. I think Dak is a good player, but he's not an elite quarterback. All the other elite quarterbacks are in the AFC. Those uh, are facts. Alex says, uh, Tony Khan can manage wrestling well, but not a good football team. JS. Yes, the Jaguars continue to get in their own way with such bad contract. Outside of Scherf. Scherf is a good contract, but they had to cut Miles Jack as well to do it. And then they pay for another linebacker. Could, you believe, <laughs> could you believe Von Miller, out of all the free agents, got the most money? Yeah, no, I'm surprised at that. So, I, is he the highest paid defensive player in the NFL now? No, no, Miles Garrett is the biggest right now in terms of the overall contract. In what was of, the overall contract? What did he, he get? got? He got five years, one thirty-seven, which averages out. to So you gave and a, a thirty, to a thirty-three-year-old, one hundred and twenty million. So you're you're saying that he's a, I would say, top five defense paid defensive player in the NFL right now at thirty-three years old. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of money. That is a lot. Of, I know. I know. Buffalo lost a lot of defensive players. They did, and Von Miller definitely is an upgrade for whatever they had last year. But Von Miller is going to be thirty-three when the season starts. Right, thirty-three. They're really hoping that this is the last splash that they need because they're not going to have any. They're talking other about room. Saquon Barkley, so. I, that's a splash if they can get somehow traded trade for a Saquon. Now, here's the other thing that downgrades that kind of thing. Now, if you're the Bills, you either have to make money for that kind of thing to work, which could be losses of other players, or if you're the Bills, you're going to have to hope that the Giants don't trade it to someone else first, too, that are, is, are consistently going to be able to sign him because Buffalo might have to think of, all right, we might have to only do this as a rental-type thing, go all in like the Rams did, and try to get that last splash on offense like we got our last splash on defense. But if you're the Giants, do you want to trade him as a rental? No, because you're going to get less value. And as far as, uh, you know, John says, is Tyler at work tonight or sick again? Haven't seen him for about three nights. Tyler is no longer on the show. Tyler has decided to part ways on the show. We both decided uh, that uh, him not being here as much as he should be 
Uh, I don't know, John, you haven't been on here for, for a, couple of, a couple of days or uh, you haven't heard the announcement about two weeks ago. Tyler is no longer part of the show. Still a friend of the show, and we'll get Tyler on as a guest here and there, uh, but he is no part, he's no full-time part of this show anymore. But getting back into uh, the free agent market, I mean, uh, J.C. Jackson was a fantastic signing for the L.A. uh, Chargers. Absolutely fantastic. But again, Jeff would say it best. We have seen this before with Patriot uh, defensive players. Mm -hmm. They have left the Patriots and not succeeded anywhere else they've gone. Yeah, the only two I could think of that did were off the top of my head were Chandler Jones and Asante Samuel. Mm-hmm. That was really it that I could think of. Uh, it's really a scheme fit, and that, and that's what it is. And now, do I think J.C. Jackson is go- is he a scheme fit for the Chargers? I mean, the way he plays, he's a ball hawk. Derwin James is a guy that can do all the other things in, in the second, you know, in the backfield. Uh, he can blitz and do all that other stuff. I think strictly use J.C. Jackson as the guy, the ball hawk, ball hawk he's been with the New England Patriots. That's what I believe. Yeah, and I think they can move him around, too, because Harris could be enough of a slot guy where they can make that kind of thing work. They're, if they get the linebackers healthy, they could even double team in a lot of areas, too, in that slot area. So you could trust Jackson to shadow one side. Now, if Asante Samuel develops into the junior obviously develops into the shutdown corner he I was forgot they drafted yeah him. he played well in the beginning of the season last year kind of struggled in the second he half. wasn't healthy in the second half right which is again which is reasonable in terms of a lot of the chargers defense falling apart was because of the injuries last he year he needs to put on some muscle too he's very thin well yeah we knew that coming into the draft he was one of the smaller corners among the top projected corners so we kind of knew that kind of thing would happen but still he still played well amidst all that and if he develops into a lockdown corner even if Jackson isn't as good as he was with the Patriots it still could be it still could be worthwhile for them uh, John says have you noticed the cards have moved on from a lot of players creating salary room and salary room and maybe haven't given Murray an extension mm. maybe Watson still say he goes to Panthers well the Cardinals did a lot of one-year contracts and Tyler Murray is going to get a big contract we, we all know that's what's going to happen if they want to keep Tyler Murray happy and 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 expect Kyle, I'm sorry, Kyler Murray happy, and expect him to to stay there and want to stay there. He's going to want that extension even earlier before he becomes a, a free agent in the next two years. So yes, I, I think they're they're trying to open up salary room so they can pay Kyler Murray. I don't think this year, but next year, I expect him to get a big contract. John, and the other thing too, John, with what you were saying is. Most of the guys they lost were on one-year contracts as it was. Chase Edmonds went to Miami. He was at the end of his rookie deal. You had Christian Kirk, who got overpaid badly by Jacksonville. There's no way any other team in their right mind would have done that for a guy that's never had a 1,000-yard season, by the way. So that they could afford to do that. They got Rondell Moore still. They could probably bring in one more veteran wide receiver to replace that A.J. Green yep. void. But they still got Hopkins there. They got Zach Ertz locked up again. So they might just have a different mindset of what the offense – maybe the – completely spread air raid is not not what they really want to go with full-time like it was in the first half of the season because maybe it got exposure in the second half. Now, granted, Kyler Murray is also playing hurt a lot of the time, too, so that had to be a factor into it, too. But I think the Cardinals will be able to replace themselves fine. They're not struggling with salary like a lot of these other teams, like the uh, like the Cowboys and the Saints. Uh, John also says, could Julio Jones join Bucks in replacement of Antonio Brown? No. That Julio Jones has a lot of money left on the last year of his contract. It's going to be very hard for Tampa to make. And Gronkowski already said he's coming back. He says, "Don't be surprised if uh, if he returns." Uh, but here's another thing: if you look at what Baltimore did so far this off season, 
It's been really, really good. Adding Marcus Williams, arguably one of the best safeties in all of football, 25 years old, $70 million contract, definitely an affordable contract, a good contract for one of the best safeties, if not the best safety in football. And then they bring back Zadarius Smith Mm -hmm. from the Green Bay Packers, who's been a very important piece to their pass rush. I was very surprised that the Packers dropped him, but they had to if they were going to give uh, Aaron Rodgers the contract that he got. So um, I think they've won so far this offseason. Baltimore's gotten better defensively. Now they did lose their defensive coordinator because they decided to drop him and and move forward without him. But I think that was a big mistake, and and obviously the Giants are going to benefit from it. But, again, this defense is as good as any defense in football. The secondary, they have one of the best corners in football. And now you add a guy like Marcus Williams and then Zadarius Smith, who, by the way, the Baltimore Ravens uh, have put more pressure. They're one of the top five, top six teams that put more pressure on quarterbacks in the NFL last year. Uh, So you add another pass rusher this good that can get out the quarterback. They're going to be dangerous. They really are. They needed that number one type pass rusher. They had the scheme to make it work for a little bit. And at the beginning of the season, when they were eight and three and overcoming all those injuries, well, that's what it looked like. Then they just fell apart in the second half of the, or the last month of the season, really. And that defense got badly exposed when they had all those injuries. But again, that's the injury. Same kind of thing with the Chargers, why they, why their defense crumbled down the stretch too. But Zedari Smith is the number one type pass rusher that they need because the rookie Jason Owe did a nice job last year. But once he got more attention as that kind of number one pass rusher, because they lost Judon and Nagakaway in the same off season, they made it hard for them to get some any outside pressure, which made it easier for teams to put up points on them when they didn't have their three corners in. Because remember, Peters missed all of last season last year. Marlon Humphrey, once he got hurt, that was really a big decimation. And then he had Tavon Young. So with three corners out, they still played well against one game against the Rams, but that was really it. And their defense really didn't have the great track record because of that. So they needed that extra pass rusher to make that kind of thing work. And now they also had a safety in Williams to help out as well. I'll tell you this. Randy Gregory won very, very much uh, this offseason so far. Uh, signing a contract with Denver, getting $70 million. Now, he had a good season last year. I think he had seven sacks with the Cowboys uh, in a very weak division. Okay, the Washington football team are now the Washington Commanders, Commanders. the New York Giants. Oh, gosh. oh okay, and 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 and, and oh, who's the other team? Philly and Philly. Well, Philly has a def- decent line, but that's really it. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, in the worst division in football, and you're playing all those teams twice. It, uh, now, I'm not saying a guy like Randy Gregory isn't a good player. This guy's had off the field problems, and. Yes, he's 29 years old, and he still has maybe another year or two left in his contract. Giving him the five-year contract, $70 million contract, I I think that's a lot of money for a guy like Randy Gregor. It's huge. That many years, too. Not even if it's one year. It would be more understandable if it was like a $14 million contract with two years, and you had a chance to prove yourself again, because... Yes, he would have had to duplicate that kind of success, and yes, he would have to prove himself off the field. Now, a team like the Broncos, who doesn't really take chances a lot with these off-field issues, must see something and maybe that he has changed. But you never know with him because he did take a year off of football in 2017. 2018, a nice year, six sacks. Uh, last year, six sacks as well, three forced fumbles. So he's a talented player, but at $14 million a year with all those off-field issues, it's definitely very risky considering that they probably need more of the quantity of the pass rushers and defensive linemen like uh, Lance Sanderson was mentioning last week up front than they do just one guy to really make that kind of thing work because Vic Fangio helped aid a lot of the front last year and made it a good pressure type of defense. Their secondary is already very good. I think the middle of the field is good for them already with the two linebackers they have with Justin Simmons. They're fine there, but 
I think one pass rusher for that much is a lot. If you're a Jet fan, you should be very happy so far in their offseason. Now, I, Eric Martini, uh, oh. who's a big Jet fan, told me there were stories coming out from Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas is not going to spend money. He's not making big splashes. He's not going to go after big-time free agents. Well, he was uh, you know, obviously uh, lying because once free agency opened up, he signed Lincoln Tomlinson, who I think is one of the best guards available this offseason. Now, he is 30 years old, obviously, but he fits in this, this offense. He fits in this offensive, this offensive scheme. And obviously with uh, a guy that comes, uh, an offensive coordinator that comes from the San Francisco 49ers offense, I think this makes a lot of sense. A $40 million contract, somewhere where you would expect him to get. He's getting 13 and a half million a year. So and 27 guaranteed. And and also they added a guy like DJ Reed, who I think is a quality corner. Now they didn't have to overpay him either. 27 years old, 4 years, 35 million dollars. I, I think if I wasn't if I'm not mistaken, 11 million dollars guaranteed, which means in 2 years if they decide they want to walk away from DJ Reed, they could. And then uh there were stories coming out that they were very interested in uh a tight end. And who did they land? A guy that a lot of people, including a lot of, you know, a lot of sports analysts loved, especially last year, played very, very well. In, what was it, his fourth NFL season? I think it's his fifth season and his first year where he really got a full chance at a receiving tight end role in C.J. Osama. C.J. Osama, he, he had a great year, went to the Super Bowl, actually played hurt in the Super Bowl, yeah. uh, played very well throughout the playoffs uh, for, uh, you know, a guy like Joe Burrow and that Bengals offense, and he was a big part of that offense in the in the playoffs. And, and C.J. got... Uh, 29 years old, got $24 million, $15 million guarantee. That was a fantastic contract by the New York Jets. A leader, uh, a, a good t- tight end. Now, we don't know where he is. Is he one of the best tight ends the Jets have ever had? Yeah, I would say so. The last time the Jets had a good tight end on this team, a consistent tight end, was Dustin Keller, and he couldn't stay healthy. Right. So, I, I mean, C.J. Ozama is, is going to be a big part and a big leader, and it's definitely going to be the blanket for a guy like Zach Wilson. And who's the other guy that they brought in? I'm sorry. Uh, the last one. Oh, Jordan Whitehead, a safety, who played with the Buccaneers last year. Kind of more of a box safety type. Played very well last year, too. Before he got hurt, he played very well last year. And that secondary surprised a lot of people the last two seasons. When they won the Super Bowl two years ago, that secondary is as good as any secondary in football. Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons why? Jordan Whitehead. Yeah, he was more of their box middle of field safety. Sometimes would blitz in Todd Bowles' 24 defense, years old. 24 years old. Now, he didn't play a lot the whole for his whole career so no. far. So far, just because a lot of the other defensive backs that were drafted in the 2018 and 2019 tenures were higher draft picks than him, so they got the chances first. But he emerged kind of as that he does fit second the or box type safety that you can maneuver around. Now, Antoine Winfield Jr., who they drafted a couple of years ago, has been their best safety, and Carlton Davis in that secondary. But Whitehead, in certain stretches, was their third best player. And again, great tackler, great run stopper, which the Jets struggled against the run last year. So maybe having somebody like that where they if they don't have to trust the front seven to stay healthy all the time like they were last year, maybe it could help to stop the run by bringing these guys up Affordable more. contract, too. Two years, $14 million. Yeah. I mean, that's a beautiful contract. And are you seeing what Joe Douglas is trying to do? If you're, not a, if you're a Jet fan out there, you should be very happy. Now, has Joe Douglas landed on his free agent, free agent since he's been here? No. 
actually he's been very bad in bringing free agents to this team. The guys that you wouldn't expect, like Franklin um, Franklin Myers, Franklin Myers, that was a good signing by the Jets. And then they gave him a $50 million contract during the season. And he, didn't, he wasn't healthy in the second half of the season. You saw the difference of what he did in the first half and what he didn't do in the second half. But... It, they they lost some pieces. They look. Uh, they lost Futasi, whatever his name is. Fukasi. Yeah. Yep. He go. He go. I think he goes to Jacksonville. If I'm not mistaken. Uh, so uh, I'm not sure where he went. But you could find that. Speedy, you could look that up. But they they lost some pieces. So again, the Jets. The Jets won, and then they lost. They lost Marcus May. He goes to uh, New Orleans Saints. They did lose uh, a Marcus Williams. Right. So they had a guy like Marcus May. Marcus May is a good quality player. He's coming off an Achilles tear. So obviously that's a major injury. And and remember, the Jets have another guy coming back, uh, coming off of um, a t- uh, Achilles tear. And that was their pass rusher who lost, lost the whole season. A guy like Carl Lawson, who they expected to be a big part of that defense and played very well in the, uh, the preseason, uh, got hurt in the OT or preseason, and, and he missed the whole season. So he's coming back from a tear like that. So, listen, I, I think when you look at the free agent market and so far some of the pieces and some of the players that have come on off the board, it, it really works for a lot of these teams. Let's go through some of the game, th- some of the teams and what they've landed. Today, Chandler Jones uh, goes from Arizona to Vegas. Is that a good move for Vegas? Absolutely. I really do believe that. But they did lose a piece. Um, obviously, losing a guy like uh, what I'm sorry, Nagakwe, Nagakwe, who had a great season, he had a great season for Vegas. Now he goes to, if I'm not mistaken, he goes traded to the Colts. The yes. Raiders got Rock Yassin, which is a good else. move by the Colts, uh, by the way. All, all defensive help, uh, defensive back help. Uh, I forget who the second guy is off the top of my head, but yeah, Yassin's been a, a young corner that's been okay. He's probably going to be their number three type guy, but they got some depth for that kind of thing too. It's interesting though; they tried to push to pay for Jones more when Nagakawa does, does have a nice contract, but maybe they're thinking maybe Patrick Graham with the hybrid defense likes a hybrid guy. Chandler Jones played for the Patriots, a hybrid guy. With Bill Belichick's defense, and he could play both schemes. Played like pretty much every scheme imaginable in Arizona, between Todd Bowles to James Betcher to to the next offensive, whoever the next offensive coordinator was for Arizona. So I think maybe they trust that a little more than uh, Nagakawe, who was kind of iffy in a three-four defense. Mm. I think when you look at you look at the big picture of where some of these teams and 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 where these teams. Went after and I and by the way I want to give a shout out to uh, my uncle who who told me uh, we went back and forth I said between two two hundred and forty two hundred and forty five pounds he weighs he weighs two hundred and forty two pounds so <laughs> I would I was right so you owe me five bucks Uncle Bill but anyways uh, go go through some of the team th- some of the players that went uh, went to certain teams like uh, Ward he goes from Kansas City to San Francisco um, we talked about. Um, Lake and Tomlinson uh, and DJ Reed. Justin Reed uh, went from Houston to Kansas City. Uh, that's a good. That's a good move. But adding Justin Reed, you know what that means? The Badger's pro- gone. The Honey Badger is gone, and there are going to be a lot of teams interested in the Honey Badger. He's still quality safety, one of the best safeties in the NFL. Now he's getting a little bit. Uh, you know, he's getting old. I think he's 32 years old. So, but he still as when he's healthy, he's still one of the best safeties in the NFL. Uh, teams like the Jets or teams like um, Jacksonville, teams that are, are looking for safety help. Even the Cowboys over the last couple of years, but the Cowboys can't afford them. Miami, yeah. I mean, they're a team that could be looking for somebody like the Honey Badger. But uh, this 
you know, adding somebody like a, a Reed, a Justin Reed from Houston to Kansas City, usually means that uh, he's on his way out. Uh, Darius Williams goes from the LA um, Rams, LA Rams to Jacksonville. Uh, Russell Gage goes from Atlanta to Tampa. DJ Jones goes from San Francisco to Denver. James Daniels goes Chicago to Pittsburgh. And, and, and these are quality contracts. These guys are getting, uh, you know, $15 million, $17 million guaranteed. Cedric Wilson goes from Dallas to Miami. I was a very surprising move. Cedric Wilson had a great year last year. Jeff was telling me, if you look at the Cowboys right now, Speedy, they lost two of their top four wide receivers. And I thought off the injury, too. Not that he didn't play well, but... Giving Gallup, I thought the contract that he did was a lot too. Almost fourteen million dollars a year for this was his first like great flash year where he played consistently well too. So off that kind of injury, I'm definitely surprised he got that money. I'm not really sure the approach that Dallas is taking, and then they had to trade Amari Cooper. Could barely get anything for him from the Browns, and then Cedric Wilson. Yeah, you would think he would be that other slot guy the way he played. He was also a special teams guy too. So definitely surprising they couldn't hang on to him and just try to bolster the one of the few strengths they have on that team. No, and I, I think that when you look at some of these uh, acquisitions and some of these players and where they you thought they were going and where you think they fit, Miles Jack, who I was very surprised that Jacksonville let him go. He's, yeah. a, he's an all-pro, pro-ball type of uh, inside linebacker. He signs today a two-year deal. This was a great contract. Amazing. Pittsburgh gets... Miles Jack, uh, one of the best, uh, really one of the best linebackers in football, he goes to a team that that is loaded at that position. And they've always been good. If you look at the top ends of what Pittsburgh has been year in and year out, they've always, when they were at their best defensively, they've always had good linebackers. Always. And now they have, um, who's the kid that they drafted? Devin Bush. Devin Bush. Now they have Miles Jack. Who's the other two guys they have? And then they have T.J. Watt as the outside guy. And they still have Joe Schobert, too, from who they got from the Jaguars, ironically, from the Jaguars as well. Who's got a better linebacking core than that? Yeah, not many teams for sure. And uh, whether they keep Schobert's contract or not is another question, but they still have other good outside rushers that they make work. That scheme has been very good. And the Steelers still have other money to either bolster the offensive line or bolster the secondary, too, because those are really the last two things they would have left. Najee Harris is trustworthy as a running back. The quarterback, obviously. Obviously, is a big question mark with the Steelers, as we know. But they could also they also could make it where they could build up everything else and try to make it work with a veteran guy that might still be available. And Mitchell Chapitsky, I was very happy for Mitch. I I really was because I don't think this guy gets enough love. Okay, and yes, he failed in Chicago. He did. He failed in Chicago. He went to Buffalo for a year and a half. Played behind a great quarterback in Josh Allen. Learned a lot from Dayball. A lot of people thought that the Giants would be interested in bringing Trubisky in as a backup and maybe he wins the starting job from Daniel Jones. No, he goes to Pittsburgh. And I think Pittsburgh got their guy because, listen, they could draft a quarterback in this year's draft. They signed a two. They signed Mitchell Trubisky to two years, $14 million. I think it was a $7 million um, guaranteed money, which is, which is good money for a guy that was a backup quarterback on the Buffalo Bills last year. But Mitch has a lot to prove. And I think in this kind of scheme, and Mike Tomlin's a player's coach, I think Mitch could work. I really do. I think he could fit. They, they have a good running game. Mitch is very good on his feet. He can run. Uh, he needs to work on his accuracy, but he's got some good wide receivers on that team. 
He really does. And Johnson, and, and, and to me, an offensive line that has been depleted over the last two years. They lost a couple important offensive linemen, a couple of them that have retired over the last couple of years. So I, I think Mitch could succeed there if they put the right pieces around him, Speedy. He has a shot to prove himself, kind of like I was saying with Daniel Jones. Like The Steelers are in a position right now where because this quarterback class is not – Great. They decide to gamble on that kind of thing now where they can they could say, OK, we'll wait till next year to get our guy, build up the rest of the team first where we can afford to either trade those draft picks to move up next year or the year after, whatever, whatever it takes. It also depends on how Mitch plays, too. So if, if Mitch does play well both of those two years, then they could wait or they could resign him again in that second contract. So they give they give it to self where they position themselves nicely where they could bolster up everything else. Offensive line, they still need to keep going with. It's, it's a good start so far with what they did in free agency, bringing in Daniels, who's a good, versatile guard. He can play center as well. And then they could the rest of the money now that they bolstered the linebacking core already could be spent on two things. One, they got to pay Minka Fitzpatrick. And two, they got to spread out the wealth of the rest of the secondary. I don't think they signed Minka Fitzpatrick. I, it seems that way, too, because... Uh, I think There's you no way. I think you would have heard it by now. I, I think he's... I think he's on his way out. Now, there are, there'll be teams interested in him. He can oh, play, play corner. He can play safety. He's going to want a lot of money. Right. I mean, he didn't have a great season last year, and the second half of the season was not good. And I think Mika still, to me, when healthy, he's as good as any safety in football. And you could put him at the cornerback position. He could be your number one. Right. He could be your number two uh, if you really need him. So you can move him around. You can even move him in a slot if you really think that he can – uh, you know, he could play well in that slot if you need a, a slot type of player uh, to stop some of those fast slot play, uh, wide receivers. But um, Mika Fitzpatrick is definitely on his way out. And and by the way, DJ Chark going from Jacksonville, Detroit. Detroit's been really uh, wanting that young wide receiver that could really explode. Now, in, in Jacksonville, he didn't work, okay? He didn't work. In Trevor Lawrence last year, DJ Chark couldn't stay healthy. Right. And uh, over the last couple of years, and now he's going to Detroit. Uh, Jared Goff is there. Uh, the offense played better in the second half. I think they've been craving for a top-end young wide receiver. Now, they lost a guy like Galladay. Galladay was their like number one guy for a couple of years after, obviously, Calvin Johnson retired. So I think DJ Shark will absolutely work over there. Another player that I was very surprised, and, and he got the money that he got after over the last couple of years, is Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram goes from New, the New York Giants to the Jacksonville Jaguars. I have no idea what Jacksonville was thinking. Does anyone ever country. know what Jacksonville's thinking? A one-year deal worth about $9 million. Now, Evan Ingram, okay, he doesn't. he's not worth $9 million. I, I would say I would have paid Evan Ingram $5, 6000000 million. Now, obviously, the safety of the uh, tight end position is hard to find. And uh, with the ability that he has and the size that this guy has, and he can run, he can run a 40 and 4-8, He's very fast, but he's got pot hands. He can't catch the ball. I'll be very surprised if he succeeds over there in Jacksonville. The, I mean, you nailed it on the head with the the tight end market is hard to find. Yes. So there's better things to spend $9 million on than a guy that is just fast. For a guy that's that fast, he's not even a great route runner either. So you're going for a guy that's fast maybe to do what? Stretch the field for your Why other Why don't they receivers? go up to C.J. Osama? I, I mean, I mean, uh, uh, I, I, I mean, look at the Jets. The Jets got... 
A tight end for two years, $24 million. What's the difference if you spend an extra $12, $13 million and get a better player? I also think, though, too, the way Doug Peterson has worked with the Eagles and even with the Chiefs before when he was the offensive coordinator, they've done well with making other tight ends work. Now, obviously, they they have two top guys, too. But even before Travis Kelsey was there, there were other tight ends that worked in that staff. And same thing with the Eagles, too. When Ertz was hurt, they made Goddard work. They've worked made different guys work there. So why not, if you're the, the Jaguars, Spend in positions you actually need and trust that your receivers can make that leap because obviously Chark's gone, but you you, you, you still have Chanel who you drafted in the second round. You still have Marvin Jones who's a solid receiver. I'm not saying these guys are special, but at least trust the offense to be run through the receivers as far as you have it. You're also getting Travis Etienne back too. It could be a nice receiving back. So I don't think really targets were the big issue. If you were to go for a tight end, go for a guy that's more of a blocking tight end to help out your offensive line, which is still questionable. And even if you draft a guy, still could help in terms of the versatility end of it. So I think... As a whole, Jacksonville should have been spending more money on defense than going for another target. And, and by the way, the Jets brought back uh, Tyler Conklin. Uh, actually, no, Tyler Conklin, uh, the Jets brought from Minnesota. Yes. Uh, f- to, you know, 26 year old tight end, another tight end. That's uh, a quality tight end. He, he could block, he could do all the things that, uh, you know, the Jets are looking uh, for a tight end to do, something that uh, CJ probably doesn't do as well. And here's another thing. O.J. Howard goes from Tampa to Buffalo. Now, I think that's a good move. O.J. Howard really hasn't. And I said this about O.J. Howard when he came from Alabama. He was a high pick. He did very well at the the combine. He really hasn't produced. Now, he played on a team with Brayton and and Gronkowski. He, He really... He was really hidden in that offense. And Bruce Arians didn't really use him in the offense. He couldn't stay healthy. I still think O.J. Howard could be a good tight end in this league. And, and O.J. Howard's only 27 years old. He can he, he could really succeed over there in, in a team of Buffalo that has a lot of weapons and is very talented on that side of the ball. So I think that's a good move for Buffalo. I think they overpaid for Von Miller. But O.J. Howard, um, they, they didn't even have to pay him a lot of money. I think that was a good move, Speedy. Well, with all the injuries that he had, I mean, he wasn't going to get a lot of money. And I think Buffalo wants to use him as a blocking tight end more, like he was in Tampa. But a guy that's going to play a lot more snaps than he did in Tampa, too. Dawson Knox had a nice year for them last year, but also was dealing with a lot of injury issues. He's more of their receiving type tight end. So O.J. Howard could be used as the dangling out at certain points as a blocker, as a maybe in the backfield, maybe to help out their running backs, which struggled last year, maybe having a guy that could serve as a fullback. But he could also line up outside, too. He ha- It's not like he's not he's not a bad receiving tight end. He's only a blocking tight end. He still can catch the ball. He's not really a speed guy, but he's a physical guy that can make tough catches. So, yeah, for that kind of bargain, it's definitely worth the risk. The thing I like about it most is he still has decent enough speed where on that downfield blocking level with Josh Allen running, too, and also all the mo- motion and after-the-catch stuff they do in that offense with the slot receiver. Receivers. That's where I think it'll end up helping the most for a guy like O.J. Howard because Dawson Knox is a smaller tight end that is a good player, but he's more he's more of the receiving type. So let's look at the available players that are still on the market. Ryan Bates, guard from Buffalo, is still there. Julio Jones looks like he's going to be on the market. Bobby Wagner is still on the market. Allen Robinson, Nate Solder, Jarvis Landry, Dante Fowler, Tyron Matthews, Landon Collins, Andrew Norwell, uh, Tyron Armstead, uh, who didn't sign. I thought it, M- Miami was uh, pretty much closed and closing on a deal. They yeah. they haven't closed on a deal. Stephon Gilmore, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, Akeem Hicks, 
uh, Akeem Hicks. Uh, uh, Hicks, who is a great defensive lineman over yeah. there from Chicago, he's still available. Uh, Dwayne Brown, Joe Hayden, J.C. Treader, Jerry Hughes. I mean, all these. Uh, Jerry Hughes is going to be a guy that's just going to be an add-on. He's thirty-three right. years old. He'll be an add-on to a team like the Jets or somebody like that that could use use a player that could get at the quarterback, and you don't have to overpay for him. Uh, Joe Sherbert, uh, Schobert, uh, Will Fuller, Eddie uh, Goldman, Brandon Williams, Austin Hooper. I mean, there's a lot of good players still on this list. Uh, Jamison Crowder, uh, Dominican Sue, Dante Kyle Hightower. Kyle Fuller, too. Wow. Yep. Um, Anthony Barth, didn't he sign with somebody? Today, I, I thought, thought he went back to the Vikings, but I no, I think he went somewhere. And it doesn't say anything. This says TBD. I thought he was, it looked like he was going back to the Vikings. Uh, well, you look that up. I'll just read some of the comments. Snug says, uh, Randy Gregory will realize one day he dodged the biggest bullet ever not signing with Dallas. Vic Fangio and I enjoyed dipping strawberries in chocolate and hitting on sexy ladies. Good more Jets talk. They should have traded him. I like how the league doesn't hold starting for the Bears against quarterbacks, a.k.a. Trubisky. <laughs> Tyrod Taylor, Giants Super Bowl run. Yeah, yeah it doesn't say anything yet. No, uh, it, it seems like he was leaning towards re-signing, but uh, yeah, it still says TBD, according there to were stories. Track. There were stories coming out that he was getting traded. I mean, so I, I, I don't know. Uh, Carl also says, Jets should go get Goldman. Yes, I think that makes a lot of sense because they – Goldman's more of the stereotypical nose tackle, which will help the Jets run defense a lot. So, and he's going to be cheap too because he's coming off an injury too. That's I think that's a good fit for a Joe Douglas type of player too. Even just a two year deal, probably one probably wouldn't get more than probably seven or eight million dollars. That's probably not bad. Uh, Snug says he played at Alabama, so he's already better than half the league by default. <laughs> Prefer to OJ Howard, and OJ Howard is a fan of ice. Snow and wind. He's going to have to really start missing Tampa in November. It is so fun. And this is the greatest part of the year because we were talking about March Madness. You have the NFL free agency. You have the draft around the corner. And now, and, and then baseball, now that the lockout is over, pitchers and catchers are now um, you know, practicing out there in spring training. And you have spring training starting in, like in a week, week and a half. A couple days, actually. Yeah, so, the first games are Friday. I, I mean, it's crazy. And, and we'll get into some of the uh, – uh, some of the things that happened in baseball, and it a looks lot. like it looks like Fr- Freddie Freeman uh, looks like he could he could be on his way could be on his way to the Red Sox. Uh, it, it's crazy. This whole Freddie Freeman sweepstakes. Everybody thought he was going back to the Braves. Then Olson uh, obviously got that you know get, gets traded over there to, from the Oakland Athletics to the Braves, and then obviously uh, and I want to read something. Uh, Freddie Freeman wrote something. To Braves Country, uh, I'm going to read it to all the fans. This is what he wrote. Uh, Braves Country, I don't even know where to begin. For the past 15 years, I got to be part of, an, of your organization. It was truly an honor. We went through a very highs together and some lows, but those lows is what made last year so special. You watched me grow up from a baby-faced kid to a marrying my love, Chelsea Freeman, Five, he gives you, he gives her, uh, you know, Instagram or Twitter, and seeing us bring in three beautiful boys into this world. I'm so glad my family got to be a part of yours. To Snit, my coaches, teammates, training staff, clubhouse staff, and everyone who made Turner Field a tr- trust uh, park so p- special for the family and I 
over the years. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. It was, it has been a blast to have you cheer for me, and I hope I was able to bring smiles to a lot of the, of your homes over the last years. I gave everything I had day in, day out, and I hope you guys saw that as well. Although our time has come to an end, I look forward to seeing and playing in front of you all again. When the time comes, I hope to remember all the wonderful memories we made together. I love you, Braves country, champions forever. Love, Freddie, Chelsea, Charlie, Brandon, and Maximus. Mm-hmm. So Very heartfelt. I, I mean, listen, Freddie Freeman is the best first baseman in baseball. That's not even an argument. And, and the fact that the Braves... Walked away from Freddie Freeman and and made a trade for Olsen. Now, Matt Olsen's a little bit younger, okay? He's a little bit younger. He's nowhere close to the player Freddie Freeman is. He's not. Freddie Freeman in 2020 was the MVP of the National League. Mm -hmm. So, to give up on an MVP type of talent after winning the World Series, which he had a big part of why they won the World Series... To give up on Freddie Freeman, it's it's horrible. Now, I don't know if he does go to Boston. How does that work for Boston? They have one of the best young first basemen in their farm system. I know Jeff does not want to uh, bring in a, a you know a high paid, high priced first baseman when you have a young guy that was one of the best uh, American players in the Olympics a couple of years ago. Not, right. not the Olympics, uh, World Baseball the World Classic. Baseball Classic. Yeah. But you talk about Freddie Freeman. How could you not be happy if you could land a guy like Freddie Freeman? Now, he arguably would be the first, best first baseman in the American League. You had a power bat that you desperately need because they're getting older. I mean, Martinez is on his way out. I, I, I mean, you have, uh, you have a great third baseman. And you have a bunch of pieces that could be successful. And, and listen. I, I really do believe the Boston – it seems like the Boston Red Sox in the next couple of days should be landing Freddie Freeman because it looks like the Yankees are out. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Yankees made their run. The Yankees made their four-year offer, and he decided not to take the four-year offer. So I think the Yankees are out. Yeah, it seemed like for a while, too. It was the it was the Dodgers and the Braves initially. Then the Yankees were the next team after that. Then the Blue Jays all of a sudden swept in. But then they traded for Matt Chapman and now are trying to pursue Jose Ramirez as well. And then the, so the Red Sox after that, maybe diving in and maybe stealing from the Yankees or the Blue Jays. Maybe they were thinking of that. But, yeah, it's definitely interesting because uh, Tristan Casas is their number two prospect in baseball or uh, on their team. I don't know, in all of baseball. But I think Freeman is still somebody because he's durable, because he's a great leader and a lefty bat that the Red Sox definitely could use, especially now with the universal DH too, where they'll be playing National League games with the DH. Obviously, they're an American League team, but still, it still helps for the player development too. It could help Freeman if he if if he does get hurt later in his career, still be able to shift the DH, but he's had a great durability throughout his career. Uh, Snugs, uh, Carl says, going to Twins-Braves game next Tuesday. Can't, <laughs> can't watch Freddie, though. Uh, Godwin resigns with the Bucks. I guess I just broke. Three years, $60 million. Mm. Wow, very interesting off of the injury. Snug says, Freddie Freeman and I love to wrestle alligators in the South Georgia swamps during the offseason. He's kind of a prima donna, though. He never. Had the a only key. reason why Godwin signed that contract is because Tom Brady, Brady's going Brady's back. back. Yeah, exactly. That's the only reason why. Carl says, Tyler Conklin, $21 million. He could have gotten a lot more money than that. 
Uh, they're saying exchanging for Olsen's age, 28 years old, and hoping they get five good years from him. Snug says the Padres were in it. I did not hear that because they're also trying to move Hosmer. And the pains me to say it, Snug says, but I think the Jays might be the best team in the AL East. And speaking of Jeff, he is on the phone. Jeff, what's going on, bud? Yeah, how's it going, guys? You don't seem very happy. No, I'm not all that happy. My my Cowboys are just getting killed. <laughs> I'm very, I'm very pissed. Well, you should be at. You should be. catch passes. You should be really, really happy. I mean, the story's coming out that the Red Sox are the favorites now of getting. Uh, you know, Freeman. I, I mean, I was very surprised when I heard that. The Yankees made a play for him um, yesterday. He did they, not they take the offer. Choice. They re-signed Rizzo. They made their choice. Yes. Now they made their choice, bringing Rizzo back. But uh, they yeah, knew that true. they had no chance at Freeman anymore. They offered well, that's, Fre- that's, be- that's because the Yankees aren't a destination anymore. No one cares. No one cares. Well, I don't know if the Yankees aren't a destination. I, I just well, think. Really? Manny Machado was going there. Remember when uh, Patrick Corbin was going there? Everyone was going there. Well, wait, the Yankees aren't giving them that extra. The Yankees aren't giving them <laughs> that extra year or two years. And we heard Brian Cashman, ever since he gave Jacoby Ellsbury that seven-year deal, he says he will never give another player more than five years. And, and teams, listen, if the Red Sox sign a guy like Freeman, he's getting five to six years. From the Red Sox. There's probably no way. Not, that, he's probably getting four. No, because the, the Yankees offered him four years. And so do the Dodgers. So, and even if he does get six, that's fine. Because like you said, Martinez is getting older. Yes. He's on the last year of his deal. They can always just move him to, to DH. DH. Yes, and that's what right. they're probably yeah. going to do. Yes. And that's going to hurt the Yankees. Their whole philosophy in the end is going to hurt them. When Juan Soto becomes a free agent, and he's going to be the probably the 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 top free agent available, and he's going to want 10 years and $400 million or $500 million or whatever he's going to want, right? Like, oh, Yankees aren't going to give him more than five years? He's not going there. Well, that, that's going to give longer contracts. That, well, hold on They're one second. Well, hold on one second. And now Juan Soto, when he becomes available, he'll be 25, 26. Now, 25, 26, Brian Cashman will give an extension like that too because you'll have a lot of years left. But Brian Cashman's not going to give it. He's not going to give a five, six year deal to a 32, 33 year old guy. He's just not. Now, it, it, Juan Soto, I think he's become a, he's going to become a free agent now. Now with the new CB and everything, CBA and everything, he'll be 25 and a half, 26. So do I think the Yankees give him a offer him an eight to ten year deal? Absolutely, I, I think the Yankees could do that. But uh, a guy like uh, you know J- Freddie Freeman, who's a talented player, I I wanted Freddie Freeman, I really did. I I wanted Freddie Freeman, but for, for anything more than four years, I think it's a little too much. And I think yes, he's still going to be a good hitter. He's he's a left handed power hitter. He's going to hit very well in Yankee Stadium. Uh, he'll hit very well against, you know, in Fenway. But it seems like the Red Sox are going to land uh, Freddie Freeman, who's a prize player that nobody thought the Red Sox would have a chance. He, they came in, you know, really the trade, you know, the talks really over the last couple of days, the last 48, 72 hours. It was really the Yankees and the Dodgers and maybe the Padres and the Blue Jays. Now, all of a sudden, the Red Sox become the lead team to get them. Well, that's because people want to play for the Red Sox, unlike the Yankees. That's not true. That, wrong. The Yankees didn't want to give him more than four years. He wants a five to I six know, year. I know. I'm it's just telling Yankees you the truth. Choice. Every time it's the Yankees' just, choice. Patrick no, just Corbin, it was the Yankees' choice. Manny no, Matano is the Yankees' choice. The Who Yankees else? did. Patrick Corbin got a huge contract from the Nationals. There was no way the Yankees were giving him a seven-year deal. There was no way the Yankees were going to give him a seven-year deal when he was almost 30 years old. 
that that's not the Yankees. The Yankees aren't going to do that anymore. The Yankees. Well, that's, are, that's why they're bottom feeders now. They used to do that. They used to do that. And they used how are they to bottom feeders now, when they they got Garrett Cole the other day? How are they bottom, bottom feeder feeders. bottom feeders when they got Garrett Cole three hundred million dollars? Because you guys are going to perpetually go after Sonny Gray's of the world that won't work in Yankee Stadium, and that's just what it's going to be. Well, listen, you we're not talking about the Yankees. The why are you bringing up the Yankees? I said that the Yankees didn't win them. I said the Yankees didn't win the sweepstakes. By the way, the Red Sox haven't won the. Yeah, and the Red Sox never win the sweepstakes either. No. The, when was the last time the Red Sox won a sweepstakes? J.D. Martinez? J.D. Martinez is not a sweepstake. Nobody wanted him. He was the best hitter in baseball. Nobody wanted him, dude. <laughs> he was one of the best hitters yeah, in baseball. Yeah, he was 30-something years old. Which is what Freeman is. 30-something years yeah. old. That's the same same thing. Yeah, well, again, I, I, I like J.D. Martinez. He played very well for the Red Sox. We'll see what Freeman does in the American League East. He's playing in probably the best division in baseball. It is the best division in baseball. So we'll see how he plays when he has to play the Yankees 14, 15 times, when he has to play the Blue Jays I know, 14, be, 15 times, and the Tampa Bay Rays. Well, I, again, we'll see what happens. I, I like Freddie Freeman. I wish nothing but the best for him. I'm not going to like him because he's going to play for Boston. But that, there's no guarantees still because they still say that the Padres are in a mix. And I'll be very surprised. Yeah, I'm not so sure Boston's even going to get him. So I still we'll have think, to wait and see. I still think the Boston I, – I, if you were to ask me today – where he, where he, Freddie Freeman is going, I absolutely believe it's the Boston Red Sox. It's not the Dodgers. Dodgers offered him four years. He doesn't want four years. And it could be the Padres, though, too. It could be. Yeah, they the could Padres definitely them. could do it if they find a way to trade Hosmer. They've been trying to move right, him the last the year or so. Move, they move Hosmer, he fits right in. Right. Could you imagine that lineup? Could you imagine that lineup with oh. Freddie yeah, Freeman? Yeah, we said that about the Padres last year, though, too. Yeah, so. but yeah, they had a they had a, sec- a second half collapse that was the only one team that was worse was the Mets. No, but I I, I still you well, went because it's the Mets. <laughs> The, Thank season, you, Jeff. the season doesn't start for them until the first guy gets hurt. <laughs> oh, there's already two guys hurt, Jeff. Speedy, you're season's a Mets already started. All right, stop screaming. And, and, and how did Speedy? You're a Mets fan. How did how did you like that trade that the Mets uh, landed the A's? Uh, you know, thirty-three year old pitcher. It's it's a risk because of the injury last year. He got struck with a line drive late in the season. He was a great pitcher before that, but really only did well in certain and smaller spurts. He wasn't the consistently dominant guy. Like Manaya was the ace of that staff for the most part with the Athletics in the f- larger sample of it. Bassett was an All Star last year and emerged. So I don't think they gave up a lot. So I don't think it's bad in that sense. They gave but... one of their best prospects. Okay, you you always say they don't give up a lot, but they gave up one of their top ten prospects. So to say that he's not good, well, you would have needed it. Yeah, you would have needed that for getting an All Star anyway. Now I worry about his consistency throughout his career. Now last year he had a great year, twelve and four with a three point one five ERA, but that was a career year for him. Twenty eighteen he pitched out of the bullpen, had a three point oh two, but he really only started starting in the shortened season. You're really gambling on a on a kind of right now type of thing that is going to be tough to trust. So I don't love it, I don't hate it type thing, but it's definitely a risk at thirty three years old with that kind of yeah, injury but, too. But- but don't worry about it, though, Speedy, right? It's only a prospect. Prospects don't play. How long have we heard Errol Chirp about all oh, prospects? All prospects. Did Clint Frazier play? No. Did Justice Sheffield play? No. All oh, prospects. Prospects. We're not giving up prospects. He only does not chirp about prospects. They don't play. You you make so you 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 like to make jokes about what I say, but you like to take shots at the Mets last year when they go after that pitcher in in the first round, first five picks, and they were all happy, and then all of a sudden he drops out, and they they lose him after he yeah, they decided. To, all right, yeah, all right. Rocker. So so you sit here and it's prospects, prospects, prospects. The Mets are prospects trying to build. Play. They're playing prospects. around. 
They're trying to build their farm system, which has been weak year in and year out for the last 20 they years. A, they don't need a farm system. No. They have Uncle Stevie throwing bucks around. That's their farm system. Right now. Right now, he's spending money. But if they don't win again ne- this year, and this team doesn't somehow make the playoffs, I, I mean, what 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 more do you want this guy to do? I mean, he spent over a billion dollars in the last two years. Rome wasn't built in a day, friend. Why don't we just wait until he has the team for a whole year? Jeff, right? Jeff, Jeff, we've talked about this many, many times. Buying te- Buying players never win you anything. We've seen this before. It doesn't win you anything. Might get you in the playoffs. It doesn't win you I anything. Know. The Dodgers never won. The Dodgers built around a great so farm The Dodgers system. had a little fusion of everything. But you can't buy players because that'll never win. Mookie Betts. They traded for Mookie Betts. They right. traded they, for him. Right. And they, they traded and one of the they, best. They trade one of the best <laughs> young players in all of baseball for Mookie First Betts. Right, because they knew he wasn't going to play because he was an outfield prospect, and they traded for Mookie Betts knowing they were going to give him that money. So That's yes, fine. They, bought, they, they, didn't, bought a they didn't buy him. They gave up a lot for Mookie Betts. They barely gave, they gave up Verdugo. Who cares? Verdugo. He they gave up four play. prospects. Yeah, not all of which went to Boston. Not yet. Yeah, the Twins too, right? Yeah, right. not yet because they they added players and pieces. You know, they brought players in to trade them off. But they Verdugo is going to be a great player. He had a great season last year. He was an All Star last year. Wasn't gonna play. They were bringing in bets. He wasn't gonna play. They gave away a piece that wasn't ever gonna play for them. That's fine. And Verdugo's a good player for the Red Sox, is he not? Yeah, he's all right. He's fine. I'm all right. He was an All Star last year. Great. Who was it? <laughs> You'll never give anybody credit. It's crazy. Snug says, it's hard for guys not to want to w- play for a team that wins World Series. <laughs> Carl says the Yankees could trade for Jason Hayward. Ha ha. Snug says, a guy like Juan Soto just asked for how many years he'd like to sign for. That f- stupid facial hair rule alone is reason enough to not play in New York. How many years is Cole signed to? He's got seven more years, Snug, but he also has an opt-out in the middle of the contract. Uh, the Mets refuse to be outdone. Uh, Carl, I, th- it's definitely the Chargers. The Padres, I only was skeptical of like their sudden rise, and then they had collapses. But I, I didn't expect them to collapse the way they did last year. Uh, Snug says, well, the Yankees never give up much in trades. They never trade their prospects. And I'd love to go what they told Max Scherzer. <laughs> No, that's not true. The, the Yankees, Yankees never trade their prospects. It's hilarious. They hold on to them for them to never make uh, the big league squad ever, right? And then when they're finally on the last year of their deal, they're like, oh, shit, I guess we'll give this guy away now because we played our hand wrong every time. The Yankees have traded their prospects away. Yeah, they traded Justice Sheffield, but it's like— They've traded—not they just Justice Sheffield. They've traded a lot of prospects away. They made that trade with the A's for Sonny Gray. They gave up their best pitching— Brilliant, pitch. who pitched well last year, They too. gave one of their best pitching prospects, okay? Now, don't give me this crap. It's not, you, know, you know what's so funny about Boston Red Sox fans? And it really makes me laugh. Everything, and even Chicago fans, because we have we had a couple of Chicago fans on our show, and, and including Carl, who's a big Chicago fan. They all hate the Yankees. So what they'll do is they'll they'll mock the Yankees and take shots at the Yankees when they don't even know what the hell they're talking about. No one, no one, they don't no know what you're talking hating, about. No one's hating on the Yankees. Yes, they are. Back. They how, say how the Yankees you, don't trade how, away how, prospects. That's a lie. That's right, a hold lie. On. Hold on. When you could have traded Clint Clint Frazier for something, what did you do? No, we got to hold on to him. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then and then you brought him up. He lost all his value, and you gave him. Away you didn't. Nobody knew off. that Clint Frazier was going to be mentally, you know, stubborn, and and he had problems with his cats or his dog ate his, you know, well, then, his his well, playbook. Then that's, a, then, then that's a shame on the Yankees uh, for holding on to him for that long and not figuring out that he's mentally soft. Mm-hmm. Well, then you're not then you're not paying attention. They paid them as much ten- attention to his mental health as they did to Severino's elbow. Mm-hmm. Well, I will say this: when when I sit here today, I don't care what the Yankees did in the past. <laughs> okay, because here's the facts. Here's the facts: the Yankees haven't won a championship in about eleven or twelve years. But the amen. Yankees, yeah, amen. But the Yankees are the only team in professional sports that's had thirty-one winning seasons in a row. So you can oh, say you whatever. You guys must love hanging up those runner-up banners. Yeah, that's huh? fine. Runner-up, wanna say whatever you want. You guys, you guys were the wild card runner-up last year. Good for you yeah, guys. That was yeah, terrific. Great. And the Red Yay, Sox didn't. Twenty-seven rings. The Red Sox didn't. Go, Red Sox didn't go to the championship. So what are you sitting here today? Yeah, you were, we, you we were, were crying that we, they sucked, and dude, all of a sudden we they go to the yeah, World Series. They go to the. They go to the American League championship and you sit there well it's not hard to make the alcs when you have to play teams like the yankees you're just gonna walk all over them yeah walk all over them yeah right the perpetual runners up they're they're the they're the forever bridesmaids Uh, carl says did you just throw me under the bus wow Snug says, yep, you got to be tossed in the pit down with the lowly Red Sox fans. And Carl asks, will Gary Sanchez be good after this trade? It's actually a kind of interesting trade. It's kind of a reset for both of those instances because Josh Donaldson's kind of stumbled a little bit the last two years, too. And Gary Sanchez. How did he stumble? Besides being hurt, he had 26 home runs and 72 RBIs at 487 at-bats. That's not bad. How do you say that stumble? He was he was great with the Braves in that particular season. And but then, uh, tell me how that stumbled. Ranked in the top five in all. Offensive statistics right now in baseball as a third baseman. So how did he? How, how did he take a step back? It doesn't make sense. Now he can't stay healthy. We and Jeff were talking about it. He doesn't stay healthy. That's a huge problem for him. Now if he can find a way to stay healthy, you're you know being protected in the Yankees lineup, you're gonna you're gonna hit thirty home runs. You're gonna get. Close to 100 RBIs. Josh Donaldson in that lineup has Josh Donaldson ever been in a lineup that good? Maybe the 2015 Blue Jays. That he was never in a lineup that good. He, uh, how many how many lineups has jo, jo, Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stan two guys that can hit 30, 30 to 40 home runs? They, he's never been in a lineup that good. Okay. So now you put him between, you have DJ LeMayu in that lineup. You have, uh, you know, Glaber Torres that in the second half of the season when he played second base was hitting over 300. Okay. You're, that is a good lineup. That's a great lineup. Now, uh, the only the only problem I have with the Yankees, honestly, they're like, pitching. They just got, they're no, really no, no, pitching. No no, 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 no. I mean, with their, their lineup, their like actual lineup, not, not their pitching rotation. Do they, do they still have any left handed bats? I mean, Rizzo. Okay. They got Rizzo. Where's another left-handed bat that they have in that lineup? Gallo is the only one I can think of. Uh, Glaber, they Gla- just brought another one guy, another guy from I forget. Before the lockout, they brought another left-handed for the Braves, uh, who's an outfielder. Oh, Enciarte, you're right. Yeah, Enciarte, yeah. they brought in. Yeah, but he's probably not going to play, is he? No, he, play. no, he's more of a defensive guy. He'll play, but again, he might hit on occasion or bunt or something like that because he's got good speed. No one bunts speed. Don't no, I know that. All right. No one bunts. Yeah, right. The closest thing to it in today's baseball, I'll say that, but. Yeah, he's more of a defensive guy, but he's still a left-handed bat, so it is something. Uh, but yeah, most right, of the lineup. Like, as far as the everyday lineup, 
for me, I, listen, I've said this to you a million times, Arl, and this isn't picking mm. on the Yankees. No. They, need a, they need more left-handed bats in there. You need more balance in the lineup than just left-hander at leadoff, um, seven right-handed bats, and then, you know, your number nine guy is a left-handed. Well, that doesn't I, really work. Well, I listen, Anthony Rizzo in a lineup for a full season with the Yankees, I think he's going to have a pretty good season. He's still, he's still a top five, top six first baseman in baseball defensively. Uh, last year, even go to the Yankees, and he had his on and off year with uh, with the Cubs. He went to the Yankees, actually played well. Uh, last year, I think he he batted over two sixty. I, I think he had uh, what was it, seventeen, eighteen home runs. You know, when he went to the Yankees, he only had like ten. I think he, I think he had a, 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 how many home runs? Twenty two total last. Twenty two home runs. So I, I mean, the guy has pop in this lineup. Uh, Joey Galloway. Remember, there is no more. Uh, What's it called again? There's no more moving players, you know. In the outfield. There's no more shifting anymore. So I, I think it's going to help Anthony Rizzo. I think it's going to help Joey Gallo. I think it's going to help a lot of you know different Yankees. Where yes, I know Jeff, you you hate it. You hate what baseball did, but no, I mean, listen, it is what it is. I think that they should be allowed to do it, but it's a rule now, so it is what it is. Yeah, but and I, 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 I think, think it's, it's gonna I think it's gonna help a lot of players on the Yankees because I, I think it's catering to the week. Mm-hmm. You, you what's what's next? I can't hit a curveball, so don't throw me one. <laughs> Rizzo last year had 14 home runs with the Cubs, eight home runs with the Yankees, but he also did miss what he missed two weeks, three weeks, or something when he was out with COVID. So, mm. so uh, Snug says, "Are the Yankees the new Jeff Fisher Titans?" No, <laughs> that's a weird analogy. And they kind of off- are. Yeah, they kind of are. No, they're not. It's so I, listen, I, listen here. Just for me, I don't know how you feel on this, right? But just for me. Maybe it's time for someone else to run the Yankees beyond Brian Cashman. Why? I don't. I don't think he's. I don't think he's doing all that good of a job. Listen, I could. I could come out there and coach the, the Yankees with a Rizzo, a Judge, a Gallo, a Stanton. Like it's not that hard. They're still not winning. Like their lineup. Not, it, it, what lineup is better than the Yankees right now? I mean, even well, and, well all the teams that go past them. Right? I, I'm like, just Brady, saying. Well, you now Dallas. you added now you added Donaldson. Oh, you want, uh, dude, you want another? You want a better lineup? You know who's really stacked this year? Go ahead and look at Toronto's lineup. Yeah, they were the best offensively all around last year. And I they think kept adding. They kept adding this offseason. They're still adding players, and apparently they're trying to trade for Jose Ramirez too. Well, we'll see. And but they, I, and they I, might get it done. Listen, Toronto's tough. Man. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you say. Toronto's going to be tough. Toronto's going to be tough, but you added Donaldson to that lineup. I mean, you have Gallo, DJ LeMayu, you have uh, Glaber Torres. They're still and, talking. They're still talking. Hold on, they're still talking to Trevor Story. They might even make. They might even make a move for Carlos Correa. So the Yankees aren't done either. If they had Carlos Correa or Trevor Stories to that lineup, that right now, if you really look at it, the Yankees lineup is the best in the American League. On top from bottom, it is the best lineup in the American League on right, paper. Is, on paper. The, on paper. Right, this is what the problem. This is the exact problem with the Yankees and Yankee fans. This you, is not as a Yankee fan. Every year, it's not as a Yankee every fan. Every year. Every year, why, why, what is, go, best lineup, best lineup. It oh, is. Lineup. On paper, it is the best lineup. You, right. You it is. The best lineup. You need the right lineup. You uh, need to stop Well, that's losing. fine. That's fine. Shifting is no longer in baseball. That's going to oh. benefit the Yankees. It is going to benefit the oh, Yankees. Oh, a week ago, it wasn't going to benefit them, though, right? It's going to benefit a lot of like, teams. No, it's going to benefit the Red Sox. It's going to benefit the right. Yankees. That's why you yeah. want to shift, because your players are weak, no. they, and they need to be catered to. Right? Oh, don't! Oh, don't stand where I hit it. 
Carl says, our team still allowed to do a five-man infield but no shift now. I doubt it, but... Uh, the infield is probably going to be... The shifting is going to stop. The outfield, I think they'll be able to shift in the outfield like they've always done. I, I you know if you got if you if you think they're going to like hit it short and stuff I, I think the right it, cater non-contact yes I like I, that, I yeah. do believe the outfield will be able to maneuver out in the outfield but the infield you're not going to be able to shift uh, the third baseman to oh, second. we shouldn't be able to do that the center fielder should have to stay in center field uh, no I I don't know how we, they're going to shouldn't have, no we shouldn't be able to shift we we shouldn't we can't stay. how is it we like possible. To get hits, if we can stand where they hit it, you can't do that. We shouldn't be able to. I, take it away. I don't know how baseball is going to deal with it. I do know that they're not going to be able to shift the third baseman to, like, second base. and You're not going to be able to do that anymore. The third base plays third, short plays short, second plays second, first plays first. Right, and that's why the center fielder should play center field, and he should have to stand where the the hitter tells him to. I think it's that's ruined. What, I think I think it's ruined baseball anyway. So I, I'm I'm for this. I I don't like the shift. I think it's ruined the game. And I, I think a great rule. How about when the batter comes up, the batter gets to tell the players where they get to stand. So Jeff, everyone, why are you being such Gallo an ass? Up, we should move them why are you being field. such an ass? I'm not they, because because this is how ridiculous the rule is. These players are weak. That has nothing to do with weak. It doesn't. It it, no, I don't like it. It ruins the game. It's not weak. They I, want I, more I offense. Like they want more offense. They put they put more pop in the ball. Oh, then they put more pop. The they put more pop in the bats. They do this. They do that. It doesn't work. It doesn't. The Take away the I shift. It opens get, up the game. The last time I checked on how you get offense is hitting it where they aren't standing. No, I don't think – Carl says, will they put lines on the field, how much they can shift? No, I don't think they I don't will. Think so. No, what they're going to do is they're going to tell you, you third baseman plays a – you know, third base. Shortstop plays short. You know, there's a certain right, – but, right, but there'll be a line – like, like how do you delineate where – very seriously, because I've been making fun of it the whole time. How do you delineate where third base starts and shortstop ends? I guess – How do you delineate where that is? I'm sure they'll they'll be an understanding of where they need to stand and how the league wants to wants it to be played out. It might be something where they might have to use like technology to make that kind of thing work, where they have to like do it like kind of like a spray chart, where you have to you have four quadrants with the infield, you have the three quadrants. With the right, outfield. so you're gonna have to draw, right, so you're gonna have to draw lines because oh, oh you're a footpath where you're supposed to stand. I mean, you're going to need a line out there. I'm sure right? it'll be something with the replay operation or the umpires committee that's going to judge all that. Maybe they'll have a guy with a a, a tablet or something that has if they could cue if somebody's not in the proper position with or, that kind of thing. Or is this going to be another major league baseball thing where where one guy says you need to be within like four feet of the base and the other guy basically lets you play shortstop? Is it just going to be at the umpire's discretion? Well, I, they might. They're gonna without lines. That's what it's gonna come to. Well, yeah, they, it's. I don't think it's gonna be a set universal thing. I think it's just more of they're trying to prevent an overshift with this kind of thing, and I think they're gonna have some kind of technology to do it. I don't know if they're gonna actually spray lines on the field because I think I, I guess it's but possible how, but they how could. Are the players gonna know where to stand through technology. What no, I put, think microchips in them. No, I think no, no, no. I'm talking about the umpires, I, not the players. I also think spring training they're going to give the information to so the it's players. Gonna be, so it's going to be like little league, you know, uh, like Devers at third for the Red Sox is going to stand two feet 
too far to his left. And an umpire is going to have to come over and move him and be like, nope. I would imagine, I would imagine so. Like, that's the only thing I can think of besides maybe the lines. But I, I don't know if they would want to necessarily do that, the, the fields and all that. But again, if they make it permanent for the one team, they'll do it for the whole league. <laughs> Carl says Angel Hernandez will make his own lines. Yeah, he, people don't know where they are either. Angel Hernandez has been doing lines. Suck <laughs> <laughs> says, can we outlaw infielders standing up during the at-bat, require them to start in a sitting position? Getting rid of the shift is forcing a disadvantage on the defense, and maybe the batter and tell where the players should I disagree. the lines are. I disagree. I think for, for me... Over the years, we you know, and shifting has gotten more, become more part of the game, and and obviously analytics because of that has become more part of the game. I think if you you eliminate the shift, it opens up the game offensively, and that's what I want to see. You want to see more runs, you want to see more hits. That's what I want to see. And if you're a good defensive player and you're a good defensive team, it won't matter. It won't matter. So of course it will. No, no, I. Uh, we've Dude, seen Joey, Joey Gallo last year had like four hits to like the left side of the field, right? Mm-hmm. Everything was to right field. So yeah, putting more guys over there would be better de- defensively. The less guys you have where someone hits it, the more hits they're going to get. Right? And that's so don't, don't, no, 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 no. So don't say, oh, if you're good defensively, it'll still. Be-. No, no, it won't. More guys doesn't. More guys on that side of the field when they hit it makes you better defensively. You got a better chance of getting that out. With less guys standing, are you, are you going to tell me I have just as good of a chance catching a ball in center field if I'm standing on the left field line? Jeff, nobody said, what listen, ridiculous idea. Jeff, all I said was if you're a good defensive team, it won't matter. If you're That's a good defensive player, incorrect. no, no it's not. Correct. No, it's not. Guys if you're a good, ball, if you're a good Rizzo outfielder. Hits ball, Rizzo hits the ball really hard. Gallo hits the ball really hard. And so there's a ton of outs that are hit really hard into the shift where the second baseman is basically playing in right field and the shortstop is over at second base because they, they can cover more ground. Yep. And, and, and to me, I, 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 again, baseball wants to see more runs. They want to put more fannies in the seats. That's right, what they want. We cater to the week because Joey Gallo can't hit it to left field, so we cater to the week. Oh, well. That's not catered to the week. How of many it is. how many Red Sox can't hit it to hit it all over the field? Come on, <laughs> Jeff. All that, of them. All of them. All right. Oh, JD, so Martin, the, JD Martinez, great opposite field hitter. Rafael Devers, great opposite field hitter. Really, Bogart's really, great really, yeah, really. Because yeah. I saw them play the Yankees, and I saw how many times <laughs> they were shifting. They were shifting to the right side and shifting to the left side. So what Bogart, are you talking about? What are you talking about, Jeff? I watched the I watched the games when the Yankees played the 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 Red Sox, and I saw where the Yankees were shifting. They knew where they were shifting the ball, and when it, Rafael Devers, yeah, he's a good. Not all of them hit all over the field. Aaron Judge. It's all over the field. He sprays the right, field. Most of the Red Sox do. Bogarts, great opposite field hitter. A Verdugo, great opposite field hitter. Right? How the hell do you know what Verdugo? Verdugo's been in a league for a year and a half, and you're Dude, saying most of his hits. Most of his hits last year were were to the opposite field. I use my eyeballs and watch baseball. Just because you don't watch the Red Sox and see what Verdugo does, now you're going to take shots at it, right? No, He's I'm sorry, Jeff. Hitter. When I Speedy, watch the game, the Verdugo spray chart. Bring up the Verdugo spray chart, Speedy. Bring up, bring up the whole team spray chart. You're telling me that the Red Sox all hit very well opposite sides of the field. That's a lie, and that's what it, that's no, what you are. Yeah, you're, no, a you're a Red no, Sox. You're a Red Sox fan. You talk like a Red Sox fan. Are you talking like a Red Sox fan? What do you mean? What, what are you talking about? I'm talking about the whole team. I'm not talking about one player. Yeah, most of them do. Verdugo does. No, most of them do what? You just named four players. 
Full players. How many players are on a team, Jeff? How many players are on a bench, Jeff? 20. Okay, 20. All right. How many of them play? I can sit here and listen to this. This is ridiculous. Uh, it, it's so funny. Go ahead, Speedy. What, what, let's hear it. What, let's see the spray chart right here. Uh, no, I was just going to read the comments. I didn't find the spray chart oh, yet. Uh, look at it. <laughs> Snug says, maybe instead of bats, maybe they could hit with a boat or. Uh, Carl says, more offense means longer ridiculous. games. We can have it both ways. I want shorter games, but more offense. And yes, Snug <sighs> says, yeah, professional hitters hit it the other way. All right, let's see if this comes up as a spray chart. I don't really care about the damn spray chart. because oh, I, now you don't care. Before no. you were telling me Verdugo couldn't do it. I didn't say Verdugo can't do it. You named four players that can. And I can name about right. three players on the Yankees that can. TK Hernandez can do it. I can name three players on the Yankees that can. Bobby Dahlbeck is very much a tall hitter. Bobby Dahlbeck. But if Bobby Dahlbeck rarely plays. Claybor Torres uses the whole field. Aaron Judge uses the whole field. I could go up and down. Oh, by the way. The Donald, Donald, no Donaldson does now going to the Yankees. He hits all over the field. The uh, only, the only thing, the only thing that Donald DJ Lemayu hits all over the field. The only thing. Give me Donaldson's a break, Jeff. Hitting, the only thing Donaldson's going to be hitting this year is the emergency room. You want to bet? All right, Jeff. Uh, we got to go to break soon, but I'll, I'll give you a little bit what I've seen with this spray chart. So I'll two of his two home runs ass. were to the opposite field, left field, center field. He had three three home runs. Right center, three home runs, and then uh, most of his home runs, I think it looks like five, were to right field. It was tough to see the chart. But his singles are spread out nicely throughout the outfield. So he uses the whole field. Yeah, doubles are kind of mostly right center, which is expected for a left-handed hitter, but also it has a good amount down the left field line. So he too. has just as many home runs to left as he does to right, basically. Um, no, but he has just as many doubles to left as he does to right. But, oh, but, you know, Verdugo, he, he doesn't do that. How, how could you possibly know? He's only been there a year. I don't know. I've watched the game. Dummy. It's a year and a half, dummy. He's been in the right, league for so, a year and a right, half, so dummy. I'm telling, you, I'm telling you what he did. You're calling me a dummy? Whole, yeah, I right, just told yeah, you. I know I am because you're, you're the one that was like, how would you know? Because I watched him play, dummy. And, and I watched the Yankees play, dummy. And I, I and DJ LeMayu, Gleyber Torres, Aaron Judge, uh, Donaldson, all these guys use the whole field. All well, use the whole field. What do they have, Joey Gallo, who doesn't? Even John Carlos Stan this year. John Carlos Stan this year used the whole field. Okay. I know he's. He I did. He's amazing. He did. He's he used. Amazing. I didn't say he was amazing. He's. Uh, oh, he never pulls it. He's basically a pull hitter. Oh, so now he's a pull hitter. Now he's a pull he hitter. Is. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. All right. Maybe we should bring up his yeah. break chart. Maybe we should do that. Let's look at that. We have a guest. Anyways, <laughs> Jeff, call up later. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for lacing up your clown shoes tonight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jeff. Jeff. He's he's such a pain in the ass. He really is. I love him. He he's he's got he's one of those guys. When when you get him on the show, he is so knowledgeable when it comes to sports. He, he, we can we talk about football, we talk baseball, we talk hockey. Guy is so knowledgeable when it comes to sports. But when he is so passionate about something, he's always right. He always thinks he's right. He's a narcissist, narcissistic, whatever his name. Whatever we call that. Narcissist. Anyways. Uh, what does that say over there? Speedy so get gets the spammer, spammer off the feed. I got it. Oh. Well, whatever. Okay. Who cares? Anyways, uh, when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking to NBC Sports edge betting and college basketball analyst Thomas Casali here 
on the Sports Limehouse. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, we are the Sports Loudmouths. I am Errol Marks. My co-host, Speedy Petey. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app on iOS, WWSRN, or Android. Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Jeff from Tampa, as always. Personality, definitely edgy, smart ass, know it all. That's that's it. That's Jeff. I, I mean, am I am I wrong, Speedy? Am I am I moving towards the right edge or answer to what I'm trying to bring here with our? our well, you, you brought some kind of edge, and we have another kind of edge too coming up for NBC Sports Edge. There we go. We are now talking to NBC Sports Edge betting college basketball analyst Thomas Casali. What's going on, Tom? Not too much. How are you guys doing? Well, as you heard, uh, we had a disgruntled or disgruntled fan that thinks the Boston Red Sox are better than the world and when it ends. So there you go. <laughs> I, I'm not surprised, but that's Jeff. Uh, he, he's always, if it's not the New England Patriots or the Brady Tampa Bay Buccaneers or anybody else that has any affiliation with the Boston teams, he loves them. But uh, anyways, how are you doing? I mean, I've, really since the last two years with uh, COVID last year, with the whole COVID situation, how are you? How, how have you moved forward since COVID has slowly but surely ended? Oh, things are going well. You know, uh, I work from home, so it wasn't that big of a deal for me. Uh, I, haven't, I, don't know, I don't know if things have changed that much. I haven't been outside since Saturday. So and I, and wow. I don't like the odds of me going outside in the next few days. So it's, uh, when it's March Madness time, I, I shut it down and I get to work. Look at you. You're lucky. You get to sit in your house, you know, probably get paid a nice amount of money and just talk about college sports. Why can't, Who's better than you? I mean, seriously. And you probably bet, you know, I don't know where you live. I, it might be legal. It might not be legal. Who cares? You're You're the guy. You're the guy. So... Yeah, I live in New York, so it, it just oh, became legal. Oh, you love legal. it. You love it, man. I Why not? I got friends now that never thought they would do sports betting all of a sudden. They, every yeah. single day, they're doing it three, four times a day, and they're loving it. So yeah. I don't do it. I'm a sports guy. I'm a sports fan. I'm a radio show host. You will not see me bet on sports. I did, Everybody asks me, where, who are you going to go with? What are you going to go with? Uh, points, uh, parlays. I'll give them whatever they want. I'm just don't ask me to bet on my own bets because uh, you know I'm bad at it. So there you it, go. It's not easy. I, I know that much. <laughs> so why don't we get into the bracket? Because uh, everybody keeps talking about th- this is the more one of the more opened mm-hmm. you know tournaments this year because there's no guarantees. I mean, obviously Gonzaga is the favorite twenty. What I think they're twenty five percent favorites mm-hmm. right now on the bracket. Most people's brackets twenty five percent of those brackets have Gonzaga winning the whole thing. Okay. When you look at each, you know, each side of the bracket, what stands out? What part of the bracket really stands out where you can't wait for when, when this March Madness starts tomorrow? Well, I actually don't have Gonzaga winning it. So I, I think they're, they're not close to as good as they were last year with Jalen Suggs and the guards that they had. I, I think they're susceptible to some athletic teams. So, you know, I, I'm one of the people who didn't take them. Uh, the region I'm really interested in is the 
is the region. Which one is it? The the, the where Arizona is the South. Mm-hmm. Where I got a bunch of upsets there. I got Chattanooga over Illinois. I got UAB over Houston. I think there's some good matchups there with mid majors that could blow up the bracket. I actually love those upset. A lot of those upsets too. I actually have UAB in the Sweet Sixteen, so it's actually interesting you brought that up. So the overall rankings of it, you think there were any teams that were badly misseeded where they should have been a little higher, and vice versa? Anyone got overseeded in your opinion? Well, no, I know a lot of people think Houston at the five was was misseeded. Uh, you know, you got to remember Houston's best win came on Sat- uh, Sunday against Memphis. The, they've only beaten two teams in the tournament, and one of them we just saw tonight was Bryant, who's no good at all. So Houston doesn't have a lot of great wins, but I know a lot of people were upset by that. I think to me, Tennessee. Ten, Tennessee is a team it took me a while to buy into. I don't have any good futures on them because I <laughs> I was a little bit late to the party, but you just you can't ignore what that team's done over the last two months. So I think from knowing every watching basketball and knowing all the stuff that I know about it, they should be a two over Duke. Mm, very, very interesting. We are talking to NBC Sports edge betting and college basketball analyst Thomas Casale. Now, I'm a Duke Blue Devils fan. Obviously, Coach K's last year in the tournament. A lot of people would like to see him ride off into the sunset. I'm one of those guys. Uh, after seeing them in uh, the ACC championship and, and bombing against Virginia Tech, I was very... I wasn't very happy about what this team is. And, and really, all season long, they're a good shooting team. They're not a big team. They're not good in the paint. They're not a good rebounding team. When you have to, you know, moving forward against teams like Kentucky or Purdue or any of these big schools that can rebound, where do you see Duke? Do you see Duke somehow sneaking and getting into the Sweet 16 or the Final Four? Because I, I would love to see Coach K win another championship before he, he's done. But I just think that this team is just, they have problems in the paint. Well, the thing that concerns me the most about Duke is where is the defensive intensity? Mm. They get blown out by North Carolina. You know, and then you think, okay, this team's going to reset. They're going to come back strong. I'm a Syracuse guy. Yeah. And when I tell you, Syracuse without Buddy Beheim is like uh, the Lakers without LeBron. He's that important to the team because they only play six guys. So when you take him off Syracuse, and you struggle to beat that team, that was a huge red flag for me. That's a 30-point win for Duke if they're motivated. So that that concerned me. And just the way they're playing defense, there's no intensity. I, I feel like something's going on there because their players are too good to look like that on defense. It'll be interesting. You know, they got a good matchup in the first round. I think they're miles better than Fullerton. They should destroy that team. If they struggle with that team at all – the alarm bell should should start going off. Mm. So a lot of these newer uh, newer coaches have done well taking over programs this year, or younger coaches in particular. Chris Beer leaves Texas Tech. Their new guy, uh, Mark Adams, does a very good job. They're a three seed. Uh, you're, you're you're seeing you're seeing a team like LSU now have to do with an interim coach too. After Will Wade got uh, got suspended and then got fired too. Do you think the program matters more than the coach when it comes to that kind of thing? Because we saw Chris Beard have some great success with Texas Tech, and all of a sudden he's, Texas is doing their usual selves again. Or do you think still the coach will end up making a difference for these? programs I think yeah it takes a couple years on how they recruit and you know everyone recruits differently I think the problem with Chris Beard was he might be a coach that's better coaching three-star guys than five-star guys there is those kinds of coaches and he got a ton of talent he got a ton of transfers and that team never really came together and he's 
to be honest, he made the championship game and he's had three average seasons since. So I think next year is a big, is a big year for Beard. I do think coaching matters in the tournament. That's why when I pick upsets, like, you know, I like Colgate. Colgate's an experienced team that's been there a couple of times. I don't like mid-majors that just show up for the first time. It's way too big for them, and they usually get trounced. Tom, Michigan is is a team that a lot of people thought was going to be a top seed this year. Uh, Coach got into a little bit of trouble at the end of the season. Uh, You're going into the tournament as 11th seed, and and you look at – what Michigan was last year and, and how far they went, and you would expect them with all the players practically coming back this year, just absolutely falling apart early in the season. They had so many losses at, at, at teams they should have beaten. Uh, they're one of the more talented teams, and really the, the recruiting class has been, from, from Howard, the way he has recruited players, I thought that this team was just going to be more of a high-profile team that was going to be a top-two, top-three seed. What are you? What are the chances of Michigan surprising everybody in this tournament? Well, so there's two teams that you should watch out for if they win their first game: Michigan and North Carolina, because they have more talent than their seed. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, you don't know which team's going to show up. You don't know what UNC team's going to show up. You don't know what Michigan team's going to show up. So I think they'll be they'll be dangerous if they can get by their first game. You know, I, I think North Carolina matches up well with Baylor. So that would be an interesting game. And Michigan has talent. We've seen it. But then just when you're about to buy into them, they come and they lay an egg. They look like they don't want to be there. So sometimes that all works itself out in the tournament because in the tournament, there's no tomorrow. So you're either motivated or you aren't. And I kind of like them in their first game. So let's see how that goes. And there's certainly a team talented enough to make a run. Among the number one seeds and the number two seeds, who do you think is most likely to get upset on the first week? And not necessarily the first round of 116 and 215, but even like in the second round, too, against an eight or a nine. I would say probably Baylor, only because of their injuries. I think the injuries have taken a toll on that team. Uh, You know, they're not nearly as good as last year. Uh, Scott Drew's done a great job getting them to a one seed. But again, if it's Listen, Marquette could beat North Carolina by 20. Who knows? That's the way Carolina plays. But if they get by Marquette and they start getting a little bit of that mojo against Baylor, their size could really give Baylor problems. So I think that would be the team I'm most worried about. And, you know, I I think the team to watch in in that would be Kentucky because people are sleeping on them now because they lost in the SEC tournament. You know, sometimes that's a good thing. Your team gets to rest. They get a mental break. I would watch out for Kentucky to come roaring out of the gates. There's only one conference champion that's won the last 10 years, too, so you're absolutely right about that. As everybody knows, we are talking to NBC Sports Edge betting and college basketball analyst Thomas Casale. Uh, The two California teams that everybody keeps talking about, UCLA and USC, two talented teams, two teams that – one team that really I believe was a very big surprise this year, and that was UCLA. I know a lot of people like their recruiting class and and like what they were putting together over the last year, year and a half. I'm very surprised they're a fourth seed. I thought they were going to be a mid-range you know, seed, like seven or eight. They're a lot higher. And USC, yes, they lost a bunch of pieces last year you know, to the draft and everything like that. One of them, I think, is going to be rookie of the year in the NBA. Uh, USC is another team that I thought was going to be a higher seed. I thought they were going to be a three or four uh, they, at the end of the season, they were just like I, uh, they were still trying to find their way. What team out of these two teams could go far and maybe make the Sweet Sixteen or the Elite Eight? 
Well, UCLA is dangerous because they can play multiple styles. Mm -hmm. They'll play slow. They'll play fast. They defend. So their teams like that are tough to beat in the tournament. Something about USC, though. I have an Auburn 70-1 to ticket, mm -hmm. and I can tell you I'm praying Miami wins that first game. Mm -hmm. Auburn will run right through Miami. USC matches up pretty well with the Tigers. They have the size. They'll play zone. They'll make Auburn shoot. They won't let them get the ball inside. So – I think USC is kind of a sneaky team in that region. Mm. That, that That's kind of a weak region, I think. I think it's Kansas and a bunch of nice teams. That I wouldn't be surprised if a team like USC ends up making a run. So what is it about Auburn that made you put that bet over some of the other favorites that are in maybe those top two or even number three seeds, a team like Tennessee or Purdue that might have been underseeded? Well, they were completely mispriced. I mean, Jabari Smith was going to be one of the best players in college basketball. You got to remember what happened to Auburn last year. They had a bunch of injuries, COVID stuff. So I think the COVID year kind of hurt the perception of some of these teams. Uh, you know, Bruce Pearl, he, we all know he recruits, so he's reloaded. Um, the only thing I missed on that cap was Alan Flanagan had an Achilles injury, and we all knew he was going to be back at some point this season. He hasn't been the same player. If he had a, if he had been the same player, I don't know how many games Auburn would have lost. But that's where they're a little weak is at the guard position without a healthy Flanagan. So that's how you can beat them. But they're they're talented. They're deep. Uh, they could still make a run for sure. Tom, what is the deepest part of this bracket? Where do you see the uh, the better games early in the first and second rounds? Yeah, I know. I think it's I think it's that that South bracket. There, there's a lot of good games there. I, I think they got, you know, when I look at mid majors, I want to see the talent that they have. Chattanooga's got three guys that can play pretty much anywhere, so they're a dangerous mid major team. You know, I, I listen. I've watched Yale play a ton. They're not dangerous. Uh, Yale needs everything to go perfect to beat Purdue, right? Chattanooga's got players. UAB has players. So you know, and you got Tennessee in that rate region. You got Illinois. You have uh, Houston, you have Arizona. I, to me, that's the most uh, interesting region to watch. Now, a lot of those other mid-rangers that you were mentioning are climbing in terms of the overall rankings where they finish the end of the season. US, UAB, for example, Conference USA was really only getting 14 seeds, and that was it. Uh, a, team like, a team like Murray State was only getting double-digit seeds. Now they're finally a seven, and they have a, they have a really good team, too. And So do you think as a whole, like there's a little bit coming together more between the Power Fives and the mid-majors or those maybe those second-tier conferences like the Atlantic 10 and the AAC and stuff like that? I do, and I also think it depends on the year. This year, the mid-majors, when you're looking at mid-majors, you want to look at experience uh, because a more experienced team like a Loyola, they're going to be tough if they get in the tournament. So I think this year, some of the mid-majors have guys who have been there for a while, have been to the tournament a couple of times. And then you look at the top teams and they're not quite as dominant. You know, last year, we all knew barring a major upset, it was going to be Gonzaga and Baylor. They were going to fight it out in the championship game. This year, I could see seven, eight, nine different teams winning it. So I, I think the mid-majors are a lot closer to the bigger schools this year. As everybody knows, we are talking to NBC Sports edge betting and college basketball analyst Thomas Casale. I'm a big Villanova fan, too. I, I, I love Jay Wright. I think he's one of the best coaches right now in all of college basketball. We talk about Duke, and they were trying to put the list of all the top quarterbacks going into this tournament. And obviously, everybody, Coach K, is number one. But Jay Wright, he's won two national championships, I think, in five years. He's a sensational coach. He really is. And he, he always gets the most out of his players. In this tournament, I mean, I'm looking at 
you know, his his way to the, the, the Sweet 16. I think he has an easy way to the Sweet 16. And if somehow he gets through maybe Tennessee or, you know, Michigan, I mean, they're going to go into the Elite Eight. So I think they have an absolute great chance of winning the whole thing again this year. Where do you see Villanova in this tournament? Yeah, I actually have them losing to Loyola only because okay. I like Loyola, but that's going to be a good game. You know, I, the here's the thing about Jay Wright. He's done a fantastic job this year. This isn't his most talented Villanova team. Uh, they get it done with defense. The reason why Jay Wright is so good is because he changes to his personnel. So, you know, it's – listen, I, I agree. I think Villanova could give – the team I think that – Arizona doesn't want to play would be Villanova because Villanova is going to slow that game down to a crawl. They're going to steal possessions. They're going to frustrate Arizona if the shots aren't going in. So if they can get that far, I, I would Villanova has got a good chance to upset Arizona. I think as someone who took Arizona to win it all, I, I wouldn't want to see that matchup. I've done it in the past too, and they let me down late in the Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight. That seems to be where their their path has been. All right. A team that is not a, a five seed, not one of the top five seeds, most likely to make a final four run, six through 16. Who do you think it is and why? Six through 16, huh? Well, um, <laughs> I'm going to go with my with the team I just mentioned. I'm going to go with Loyola. Okay. I think if they can get by Villanova, if they, I think Villanova, uh, Loyola over Ohio State's my top bet of the first round. That's why I love I'm that not, too. Yes, yeah. So and and every the whole world does. So uh, I mean, who knows? But if, if they assuming they get by, assuming they get by Ohio State, I think that's going to be a rock fight between Loyola and Villanova. Whoever wins that game. I think it's going to be very dangerous the rest of the tournament. So if Loyola can get that one out, get 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 that one a tight, close defensive battle, I think they have a shot to get to the Final Four. Tom, all the number one seeds, uh, obviously Gonzaga, Arizona, Baylor, and Kansas. Who do you think, out of all the number one seeds, could squeak in and get into the Final Four? Arizona for sure. I, I just think when they're right, they're they're so hard to play the way the way they move the ball. Uh, I, Kansas has a nice road. Uh, I was I actually wasn't. I have a Kansas future too from before the season at eighteen to one. And at the end of the year, I wasn't all that high on them to be honest. But their draw really works for them. So those would be the two. I mean, listen, everyone's going to pick Gonzaga. I, I, I'm a big, I like UConn. UConn, I like the way they mm-hmm. match up with teams, their physicality, their rebounding, the way they defend. I think if they play Gonzaga, they can give them a run for their money. So I took an upset there. Mm-hmm. So as a whole, like the top three, top four teams, the powerhouses combined, which do you think has the strongest of those groupings where you could see more of like a chalk type region rather than one with a lot of upsets? You were saying the Arizona region had a lot of upsets. Is there one that you think is the opposite? It'll just be normal. Yeah, I think it's the Kansas region. Like I said, I think if uh, if if Miami beats USC, I think you're looking at a Kansas Auburn one versus two Elite Eight game. That's what it looks like to me. Uh, as everybody knows, we are talking NBC Sports Edge betting and college basketball analyst Thomas uh, Casali. Last question for me: uh, You just mentioned UConn. Uh, obviously, Danny Early uh, is running the show over there, and I want to see I, I want to see one of these uh, closer. New York, I, well, I, Connecticut isn't obviously Connecticut, but I root, I root for them because it's, it, it's New York to me, okay? Connecticut is New York. What are your thoughts? If Connecticut could somehow, you know, get past Gonzaga, do you think Connecticut can make a run to the Final Four? 
Yeah, I do. I have them in the final four. Really? The only because when I pick the brackets and and bet, I I try to find matchups and teams in the tournament that are hard to play on short turnarounds. The remember the don't look at what like teams like Connecticut or Villanova did in their conference. Those teams know each other up, down, and sideways. These are teams you have to get prepared for in 24 to 48 hours a lot of times. So Connecticut, for me, is a tough team to prepare for. Now, listen, they have a tough first-round game against New Mexico State. Who knows? Maybe they lose, right? I always say a a couple years ago, New Mexico State almost beat Auburn at the buzzer, and Auburn went to the Final Four. A lot of times, these first games, you just got to get by them, and then teams start picking up momentum. I think UConn is one of those teams that can do that. I fell for New Mexico State three straight years, and they always look so good on paper. It just they always end up with what seems like a good matchup. Don't let him pick out your bracket. That's for sure, Tom. Do not. <laughs> I'm agreeing with a lot of things he's saying, though. I like the UAB. He mentioned Colgate, which I like, and he mentioned that region being wacky, which I have a lot. Well, of didn't we interview so, the Colgate coach? Yes, we did, and we also interviewed the Yale coach as well. Yeah. Uh, James Jones and Matt Langle, the Colgate coach, has done a very. Did good Did they job invite us program. to come over there to practices and interview the players, and we never went? Oh, yeah, <laughs> COVID didn't really help that kind of thing either. All right. Um, so my, my last question is more about the general landscape of college basketball. We kind of saw with college football, all these expansions now that are happening with the SEC getting two new teams with Oklahoma and Texas and also the transfer portal making a difference. Can you see that kind of thing happening in college basketball? You saw with UConn now moving back to the Big East, the Big East really growing to power pro, power conference too, but even some of the other ones too. Can you see that kind of thing where these conferences kind of overload and make it the powerhouse? Maybe. I don't know if it's the same thing as football. College basketball is a weird sport. It's the only sport I know of that goes from zero to 100. In, you know what I mean? Like no, Nobody cares about college basketball other than me and 11 other people in November and December, right? Everybody's watching football, betting football. So, you know, college football is your huge, huge moneymaker. They're going to bring in – for college basketball, the moneymaker is this. It's the tournament. It's not the teams. It's not the leagues. It's it's the actual event. I mean, just think about college football. The moneymaker isn't the national championship game. The moneymaker is the teams and the schools. So I think it's a little bit different and being so many teams in college basketball I think the powers that be have a system they like right now so I can't see much changing anytime soon Tom we really appreciate you joining us tell the fans how they can find you on social media sure you can find me at the Tom Casale uh, on Twitter and you'll uh, you'll see me complaining about Syracuse running the two three zone all the time. <laughs> well I, I definitely want to get you on after this tournament and see what you thought about the tournament and see where your your bracket fell I mean it's so funny because every time I play the bracket every year, it usually what kills me is the second rounds. The first rounds, I'm I'm dead on usually. I, I, I lose like two games, maybe three, and then I get into the second round, and then all of a sudden my bracket falls apart. It always does. And then I my final four, I, by, by the time I get to the final four, last year I think two of my teams made Well, you had Baylor. Final. You were right on Baylor at the start. But I picked Baylor to win the whole thing at last the start. year. Yeah, I, I picked Baylor to win the whole thing. But uh, everybody else, I, I think I was completely wrong. I, who, didn't I have uh, – You had that? Alabama, which I had too. Yeah. Um, I, think you, I think you had – I think you had Ohio State and – Iowa. Didn't I have Iowa? Iowa, yes. That's that was right. your other one. I had Iowa. It wasn't Ohio State. It was somebody else. No, it was Iowa <laughs> and I think maybe Florida State or I something like that. I think Iowa yeah. got eliminated in the second, second round. Second round to o- Oregon, who was in my final four. So I was right about that, but we're not right about much else. Oh. I had Alabama as well. But I was dead wrong on Baylor because they always choked and they won it all last year. So. I, well, I that, was, that's what's great about the bracket. Yeah. You, you know, it does. It's 
someone like me, I lost to my six-year-old son last year. So, I mean, it's that's that's why March Madness is so popular. It's yeah. a, It doesn't mean a guy like me who studies college basketball every night is going to, you know, you need some luck in the brackets. It's just the way it goes. Yeah, well, I, I try to listen to some of these bracketologists, and I, I bracket myself down the toilet, okay? So <laughs> there you go. But thank you so much, Tom. We'll get you on again. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Have a good night. Absolutely. Tom Casale, ladies and gentlemen, uh, NBC Sports edge betting college basketball analyst. Great guy. And really knowledgeable. And yes, Carl, I, I mentioned, he says, surprise UCLA. What? They went to the Final Four last year. Okay, Carl. I didn't think they were going to be any good this year. Now, there are, Carl, in Errol's defense, there was plenty of instances, too, where underdog teams do well and make deep runs, and then they're a favorite the next year, and they don't go in error. Gonzaga's a great example of that. Wichita State, uh, the year after they went to the Final Four, was the one seed the next year. They got upset. It sometimes happens that way where the teams are just better as underdogs, too. <sighs> and UCLA might be one of those cases, too. I, don't, I think they're too talented to go out super early, but... That region's a gauntlet. Purdue, Kentucky, and Baylor. Even with the injuries, Baylor's still deep and very well coached. Watch out for Purdue. Even a team like Murray State, if they could beat Kentucky, is a tough out, too. Watch out for Purdue. They're big, they're They're strong, and they're mean. And and that's what you want to see, a mean team. Yeah, you just got to hope they don't have a five-point lead with 15 seconds to go and uh, not know how to rebound the ball, Matt Harms. I'm looking at you from three years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, Carl. Who the hell is Saya Suzuki? We've been talking about him all the time. I really thought the Red Sox were, but I, I think after this whole Freeman thing, I think they're gunning for this guy Freeman. I mean, uh, Freddie Freeman seems like he's the only guy they're they're trying to gun. Could, could, I mean, before the lockout, it was almost a sure thing that Suzuki was going to the Red Sox. Now he signs an eighty-five million dollar, eighty-five million dollar contract with the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Okay. The Cubs have never seen this guy. Well, obviously, he's never played one game, one pitch, one baseball he's ever swung at when it comes to the major leagues, and this guy gets $85 million. Well, you know Cubs, it's the Cubs. That the, with the amount of players they've lost, they have to take some kind of chance, I guess. Well, what, well, the last Japanese player, what did he get? The last one was um, – was it Otani, the last one? Oh, no, it was the Seattle guy. He, his contract was only small. Otani's was Otani's was a little bigger, but his was not even $100 million yet either. So No, Otani was like $70 million. Yeah, no, his his was low. It was $65 million. I think uh, Daisuke Matsuzaka, I think, was the last big like big splash Japanese guy. I think he got over he $100 sucked. million. He You know, he, he really flamed out after the first year. And then he ended up with Red the Sox, right? Yeah, Red Sox. He was great that first year, and then he really flamed out badly, and then he went to the Mets. After all that. Well, we all know what happens when you go to the Mets. Oh, yeah. For relief pitchers go to die, along along with a couple other teams, too. But, yeah. The, uh, the Mets are where you go to hopefully return your career around and then just end up getting hurt. Yeah, well, hopefully it doesn't happen to Max Scherzer this year. Well, Max Scherzer doesn't have to turn his career around. His career is cemented already. Well, you, but he, he's going to the Mets, so who knows? He might be uh, falling off the plank by the time he throws his first pitch in uh, City Field. But. Yeah. I hope for the Mets fans uh, that he has a good season and the Mets are a playoff contender because I, I like when both New York teams make the playoffs. I, I, I don't hate the Mets. Out of, out of all the teams, the teams that I want to root against when it comes to professional sports, because obviously everybody knows I'm a Jet fan, so I hate the Giants. Um, I would say the Rangers are probably your biggest rival. I hate among the, the New Rangers. York teams. I hate the Rangers. I, I grew up a Ranger fan, believe it or not. No, I know that. That's why I would um, think now they're probably your worst enemy among the New York fans. Can't stand them. Yeah. And I, I don't like the Ranger fans. I, I just don't like how the Ranger fans act. Okay, they, they're just 
They're obnoxious. Everybody says the Islander fan, but I've gone to the Ranger games. They're just obnoxious people. They really are. And um, as far as the other sports, uh, the Rangers and, and the Knicks. And I don't really hate the Brooklyn Nets because I, I don't look at the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets are just fun to laugh team. at. They're just not. The, they're not in New York. They, they're the Brooklyn Nets. Okay, I expect it, uh, they're better than Knicks, but they're ne- you're never going to say that the Brooklyn Nets are your favorite New York team. It's just never going to. happen. The Nets are just fun to laugh at because it's it, never going to happen. It seems like they do good things, then they're having to have James Harden sell playoff tickets outside of the Barclays Center. Yeah, well, and now he's not even there anymore. He's not. Now they have Ben Simmons wearing his, uh, you know, Louis Vuitton jersey and. Dancing around outside. Maybe he'll bring one of the Kardashians. Maybe he'll sign autographs. That'll draw people. <laughs> I mean, everything that's going on with Pete Davidson and Kanye West. I mean, what a ridiculous thing. I mean, it's, I, I'll tell you this. For, for these women who I, I could care less about, I, I really don't care about anything that they do with their clothing lines, with their... Their champagne lines, their vodka lines, or whatever the hell they do, their makeup lines. The fact that these guys, uh, the, the Pete Davidson of the world, these multimillionaires, they they get involved with these players. Even James Harden was dating one of them. Yeah. Okay. The, and, and just it, they're obnoxious, and and everybody follows these girls. I mean, Kendall has like like sixty million people that follow her. Who the hell cares about that girl? I mean, I really don't care. Before, before we go to break, uh, Carl says two quote winners title until John Shire is in charge. Michigan can't play defense this year. Happen. That is the difference. And they lost Shire a lot will be of gone in three years. Uh, Michigan will win first round and lose to Tennessee. Mm, I, I, I got, I, I'm, looking at, I'm going to be looking at my bracket after the show. I got Michigan making it off further than people think. I, really? I, think, they're, I think they're dangerous. and Underdog. All right. And I like the underdogs. I always like the underdog. Anyways, when we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will be talking to pro football focus and Sirius XM host Brian Drake here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, we are the Sports Loudmouths. I am the host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy, Petey. You can call us at 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app like on iOS, WWSRN, or Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Uh, well, Thomas Casale was great. Uh, by the way, his bracket was very, very interesting. And uh, Speedy, maybe, maybe your bracket this year will actually stand out. I, I agree with some of the, a lot of the things he was saying with the upsets in particular. I, I think I had a lot of the same ones as his, and I definitely. I definitely could see a lot of the sleepers he had with both UAB and the 12 seed as a mid-major and USC as well. I do like as well. Like in a tougher, like in an easier region, they might like cruise. But that game against Auburn will be a gauntlet, like he was saying, and who, who is his main betting. Well, our first segment was all about football. Our first hour was all about football. And why not bring a football guy on the show? We are now talking to Pro Football Focus and Serious XM host Brian Drake. What's going on, Brian? Hey guys, thanks thanks for having me. I appreciate it. And I'm a big college basketball guy. I live here in Syracuse, New York, and obviously there's 
no postseason for the Orange <laughs> this year, which is weird. It's really weird filling out a bracket, watching the selection show, and going like, "There's, there's no Orange this year." Like, <laughs> you know, we didn't get it. So, but I was listening earlier. I know you guys are big on Connecticut, and I love that Kentucky play. I'm putting Kentucky in my Final Four. I'm, mm. I'm trying to be different. Everyone's going to have Gonzaga, but. I like Kentucky to make a, a deep run and possibly cut the Nets down. Bayhan comes back next year, yes or no? Unfortunately, uh, yeah, he'll be he'll be back. Uh, I mean, you know, people like to you know crap on Jim Bayheim. He's old and he's a curmudgeon and he, he runs the two three zone and all that. But I mean, you can't knock the success the guy's had for forty plus years here in upstate New York. I mean, you you guys, I mean, this is a New York based show, so I mean, you look at New York and why would anybody want to come to upstate New York and hang out? But then again, it's like, why would anybody want to go to Lawrence, Kansas, you know, for a few years, but uh, the facilities here are great. Uh, We've got a great recruiting class coming in next year. So I think that Syracuse, they'll be back. And, you know, we just want to get into the tournament because people out there maybe don't realize how much the local economy benefits Mm. from a team making the NCAA tournament. When you go to the grocery store, and there's huge displays of Coca-Cola. I saw one today. And it says, you know, Q's NCAA. And there's food and the shirts that are out. It's big business. Oh, yeah. That the folks in uh, Syracuse are missing out on in these next few weeks. Well, I would agree with you. As everybody knows, we are talking to pro football focus, Sirius XM host, Brian Drake. So why don't we get into some football conversation? Being that we're here in New York sure. uh, with the Jets and the Giants. What were your thoughts so far of the Jets offseason? I mean, obviously in free agency, they had a guard, uh, a very good guard. Um, They got him, uh, you know, a pretty good contract, uh, three years. Joe Douglas really doesn't give more than four years. I think his contracts show you. I mean, they brought in two tight ends. They gave you Mm – they they brought in a corner. They brought in a safety. What did you think? What would you rate right now when it comes to the New York Jets, their offseason so far? I think it's a solid B. I like what the Jets have done. I like what both New York teams have done. We'll get to the Giants also. It puzzled me today bringing in uh, Tyler Conklin when you just signed C.J. Uzoma. But, you know, Conklin, an able receiver, but also a very good blocker. So maybe we'll see Uzoma more as that kind of uh, detached tight end that can go out and make some plays. For Zach Wilson, you know, bringing back Joe Flacco, I think is a great idea. They never should have let him go to Philadelphia. Uh, You need someone there in-house to tutor uh, the young quarterback. And to not have that last year was just moronic. I mean, you're left with like Mike White as as your other quarterback. Like you have to have somebody in there just to simply tutor him. They paid him a lot of money, guys, three and a half million for Joe Flacco to come back. Uh, but he's basically going to be your de facto quarterback coach. And then they got Jordan Whitehead. I really love that signing. Mm. I'm, anybody who listens to my podcast, the Fantasy Football Hustle with Dwayne McFarlane and myself, you know I talk about my love for my Philadelphia Eagles, and we needed a safety. And I thought Jordan Whitehead might be a nice kind of mid-level safety. You don't have to break the bank on, but uh, you know, two years, $14.5 million for Jordan Whitehead. Great signing by the New York Jets. And, this isn't something, and you're a Jets fan, so we, yeah. we can just have a conversation yeah. about it. This isn't something that's going to be fixed overnight. No. This team was in the dumpster. They had no talent, and it's not going to be fixed in one offseason, two offseasons. But I think Joe Douglas, from his Baltimore days and being in Philly, he's got the right plan. He's got the right mindset, and you build through the trenches, offensive line, defensive line. They've got the young quarterback. How, how do you feel as a, as a Jets fan? Well, I, I, I think he's been very, very good when, in, when it comes to the draft. He's been horrible mm-hmm. when it comes to free agents. But I think 
Bring in Tomlinson. He fits the the understanding of what they're going to do. They're going to run the ball first, throw second. I love what I saw with Zach Wilson in the second half of the season. He was one of the more accurate quarterbacks. Besides Aaron Rodgers, he was the second most accurate quarterback in the NFL. I think the fact is is that uh, we've seen Michael Carter, when he, he finally figured things out in the second half of the season, he could run the ball. I, I think his drafts have been sensational the last two years. Everybody says, well, the year before that, they added Mackay Beckham. They added Brandon Ma- Braden Mann. They added um, they they added pieces to the puzzle. Where yeah, he was off. You're not going to be on on every single one of your picks. And now mm-hmm. this year, this could change everything for the Jets this year when it comes to the draft stock that they have. And by the way, they traded Brian. Ca- I mean, uh, is it, I'm sorry, Blake Cashman. They traded Blake Cashman uh, the other day. I think it was today. And and they got a sixth round draft pick, which by the way, they traded away for guess who. Joe Flacco. So, I mean, it, it was a good – so far it's been good for the Jets. I still think there there might be one or two pieces they need to land. Do they go after a wide receiver in the draft? Maybe. Do they go after Allen Robinson? There is stories coming up that they're very interested in Allen Robinson. We'll see how that falls. So, as a Jet fan, I could be happy or sad, but I think the Jets are at eight – Maybe seven win team this year. Next year will be the year where I expect the Jets to take that leap into the playoffs. Yeah, you need to do it on this rookie contract. That's the name of the game. You look around the NFL and these teams that are trying to go for it and have had success in the past, the Joe Burrows of the world, and even my Eagles early on with Carson Wentz. You've got to do it before you have to pay these balloon salaries to you know the Aaron Rodgers of the world. And it's funny when people go, oh, Aaron Rodgers is back, instant title contender. I'm like, Pump the brakes here. I know the <laughs> NFC is terrible, but they don't have any money in Green Bay. Mm. Like You've got to be able to bring talent back. And Devontae Adams already said, I don't want to play on that franchise tag. You're losing players kind of left and right who are going to go to greener pastures. Like That quarterback uh, contract is just an albatross around your neck. So if you're the Giants with Daniel Jones. If Great you're word. The Jets, Great word. Wait, I like that. Albatross. Yeah, if, you're the, if you're the Jets here with Zach Wilson. Get things done. I know uh, the Josh Allen now, he's going to start getting paid a lot more uh, in Buffalo. So they're really going in these next two years for Buffalo. This is it. Mm -hmm. They're they're making the run for it now. And then after that, you know, God bless America. You're just writing checks to a quarterback. (laughs) So speaking of Buffalo, the the Giants brought in their coach and Brian Dable and their GM with Joe Shane. And they've done some different things with this team, trying to get rid of the Gettleman and – previous coaching regime mistakes, I guess. If you Gettleman. Yeah. yeah. So what do you think is the approach that they're going to have? What do you think they could bring schematically, even with a lack of talent, maybe on that offense, especially if they do trade Saquon Barkley? What do you think they'll bring to that? And also, do you think they're committed to Daniel Jones for this year and beyond? Or do you think this is like a trial run for him? I think it's going to be very much like what we saw with Baker Mayfield, with Mitchell okay. Trubisky. And you're, you're like, we don't know if we're going to even pick up a fifth year option on these guys where we, we're not going to extend you until we truly know that you're going to be our future. And Daniel Jones, in my mind, I mean, he wasn't like, you know, a number one draft pick like Baker Mayfield, but he was still a high first round pick. I, I want to make sure that he's the guy. And for years, I tweeted about this earlier today that the Giants had never paid any attention to the backup quarterback. When you go into a season with Mike freaking Glennon as a backup quarterback option, you just showing everybody you don't care. Whereas teams like we, I talked about the Eagles went into the season with not only Joe Flacco, but Gardner Minshew as their third stringer. So picking up Tyrod Taylor is finally, that's doing something smart. It's doing the right thing because in the NFL guys get hurt. 
And you also want someone who can tutor a young quarterback. Uh, I love the coaching staff in New York. I think they've done a, they hit a home run with Dayball. Now you get Wink Martindale over here running the, I, I still laugh every time I say the guy's name is freaking Wink Martindale. I deal with, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, game show host, but they're doing things the right way. What do you guys think? Is, is Saquon going to get dealt this offseason? It seems to me like if somebody like Buffalo now who just missed out on J.D. McKissick and they were rumored to have interest in uh, CMC, why don't they call up the Giants and say, well, hey, here's a pick. We'll take Saquon off your hands. I will say this. Uh, for the last, I would say, two months, and Speedy could uh, absolutely tell everybody this, on this show – I said, where do I see Saquon Barkley going when it becomes an opportunity where a team can make a trade for him? Speedy, please tell everybody what I've been saying. Buffalo. I've been telling everybody, Buffalo, you bring in, uh, you bring in Brian Dable, you bring in a guy, uh, another, uh, the GM, who's, who, the assistant GM of Buffalo. They're looking for a running back. They've been looking for a running back year in and year out. Singletary had a good season last year. Absolutely. He's not the guy. You bring in Saquon Barkley. I, Saquon Barkley, is he's a player that will help you win now. The Giants made a big mistake drafting him in the top three a couple of years ago because I just didn't think that he was ready to take that next leap, and I didn't think the Giants were ready to win. Now the Buffalo Bills, giving Von Miller $120 million, they want to win now. If they don't win this year, they're never going to win. So I, I think Saquon Barkley, like you were just saying, man, I, I think the best fit for Saquon – is the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, let's look at – I'm going to pull up Saquon's contract as we speak here. Yeah. But And, you know, you look at Saquon Barkley, and you just, in your mind, automatically think of Zeke Elliott, mm-hmm. right? And you mm-hmm. go, look at the contract that is now holding the Dallas Cowboys back. <laughs> and they had to cut Amari Cooper. And, you know, you don't want to do that if you're the Giants. You've got another two years here. you got this year and next year where Barkley uh, – uh, where are we? Oh, no. This is the last year of his deal. Mm-hmm. So this year, you're going to pay Saquon Barkley $7.2 million to be a running back on a probably last place team in the NFC East. Do you really want to do that? And then unless you think, oh, my God, we have to sell Saquon Barkley jerseys, we have to re-up this guy because he's essentially the face of your franchise. So now you're going to be roped in, and you're probably going to have to give this guy, you know, I, I don't know, $40 million over the next – Three, four years. Not a chance. Uh, it, it's crazy on a bad team. Like, go draft a kid this year. There's a million guys out there every year at the running back position. You know, it's, I, I can't see them sticking with a, a $7.2 million hit on Saquon Barkley. I'd get rid of him tomorrow if I could. Mm. Are there any other realistic tar- or teams that you think could be targets for Saquon Barkley, if not Buffalo? Man, oh man, I mean, it's crazy when you, you look at the NFL. I would never spend money at the running back position. I would just continually draft guys like Brees Hall, like Kenneth Walker, like Isaiah Spiller, and I would just say, we're going to draft one or two of you guys and maybe get a journeyman on the cheap, like Raheem Mostert, who just got signed today down in Miami, and we're going to say, okay, this is what we're going with because if you've got the line and you've got the scheme all these guys are talented. If you're not talented, you wouldn't be in the NFL. I mean, geez, Louise, Tevin Coleman is still kicking around. He signed with the Jets again. Tell me what's going on there, giving him a million and a half. Uh, so if Tevin Coleman can kick around for this long, you can find somebody to come in and run your skin. We see it all the time in the NFL. I, my gig is fantasy. So by the end of the fantasy season, 
you're rolling out guys in your starting lineups in the fantasy playoffs who literally were pumping gas six months ago. <laughs> and, and they go out and they put up like 30 fantasy points for you. So it can be done. I'm not paying a running back $7 million. I, I think Buffalo is a good shot. Uh, if they want to take him and you've got to be a contender. If, if you want Saquon Barkley, you can't be a middling organization and say, Hey, we want to take on this guy at that heavy contract. So I, I mean, we could look around the NFL and think who's kind of a really good team who could use him. I don't know. I'm, I'm coming up short in terms of these big time contenders. You know, I, I, Kansas city's got CEH. They're not going to spend the money on him, but uh, I don't know anywhere else you guys can think of. <laughs> I was thinking Miami originally too, but they just signed Edmonds and, and Mostert. So I think they're out of it. The now, Jags? So. <laughs> oh God. The Jags, Doug Peterson. Let, how many second tier players can we find and, and give big money to? They're, they're the new uh, football team slash commanders slash whatever you want to call them who every year wanted to win the off season. It's look who Washington paid this year. Oh, they, they spent the most money. They got all the great players and they always stunk. The guys who get signed in free agency this week, literally a year or two from now are going to be cut from these teams. Again, mm -hmm. all the guys you're seeing cut right now in the NFL. Most of them are guys who were signed in free agency a year or two ago. And they're just, eh, we're done with this guy. Send them off to the trash. There's a reason these guys don't have second contracts with the team that drafted them. We are talking to pro football focus and Sirius XM host Brian Drake. And by the way, uh, we were just talking about the Jags. That Kirk deal was absolutely outrageous. And yeah. Oh, my God. And how, how does this hurt the offseason for a guy like Allen Robinson or push – you know, the subject with the Green Bay Packers and that whole Devontae Adams scheme situation, uh, it really hurts, you know, any thought on Allen Robinson not making more. Like for the Jets, if they want Allen Robinson, they're going to have to spend $20 million or more. I mean, Allen Robinson would say, I'm better than Kirk. I'm be yeah. And Devontae Adams is going to say, I'm way better than Kirk. I should be making $30 million a year. There's not even a question. I mean, this that, that's a horrible contract. Absolutely horrible. Christian Kirk said zero 1,000-yard receiving seasons. It's horrible. I don't know what <laughs> they were thinking. <laughs> I mean, I've seen a lot of things on Twitter where – agents are talking to teams and they're saying you can't take what Jacksonville's doing a as a comp for what we're trying to do here because it's ludicrous it's uh you know you're giving uh a guy in Christian Kirk who I liked I did a YouTube video the other day about guys you should be buying low on for dynasty leagues and best ball because once they get signed they're going to their value is going to go through the roof I didn't think Christian Kirk, because Julio Jones was just cut today, would become the second highest paid receiver in the NFL. I mean, <laughs> holy smokes. Are you kidding me? On a Jacksonville team that's got eight wide receiver fours, you've got Marvin Jones, you've got LaVisca Chenault. Uh, you know, didn't, I think they, didn't they sign Cedric Wilson? Is he the other guy they signed there uh, this week? I mean, it's like. Uh, where did Wilson go? No, Wilson went to Miami. Miami. He went to Miami. Yes, I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Oh, they um, signed Zay Jones. That's what Zay it was. Jo yeah, yeah. So how can I confuse Zay Jones and Cedric Wilson? Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's all these guys. They, Jacksonville signed all these guys, but did they get that much better? No. <laughs> you know, it's like they used to have Allen Robinson on that team. And they couldn't keep him, and he went to Chicago. And now maybe they're hoping to get him back. This is just a team. They've got money to spend. Apparently, there's not enough AEW wrestlers that the Khan family can spend their money on. And they have to put it back into subpar wide receivers. <laughs> Hear that, Alex? You might have a shot for GM at this rate. <laughs>
Maybe I do, and I don't even watch wrestling. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it, it, it's weird it, it, to think too. They had Alan Robinson, and Alan Hearns, Marquise Lee, and then uh, and then the younger guys. Keelan Cole, when he was younger, was good too. D.D. Westbrook. They had guys that were pretty good for cheap contracts, and now they're all gone, yeah. and they just overpaid for all these guys. Oh, and they're all going to get cut. You're going to see Christian Kirk. That's a two-year deal. Mm. You know, they'll give him two years, and then they'll have a cut. It's ten million dead cap. Uh, after the first two years, but I mean, holy moly, the money you're paying this guy 22 5 this year, 16 5 next year like mind blowing. His agent is amazing. If I ever become a pro uh, athlete or I get to deal with ESPN, I'm finding whoever his agent is and he's doing my deal. So, why don't we get into the whole Chargers situation? Because I, if there's any team that got really much better this offseason, it is the Chargers. I I mean, you can't argue this could be, on paper, the best defense in all of football. You added Jackson. You added Khalil Mack to a team that already had Joey yeah. Boser, Derwin James. Uh, the offensive line with Slater and, obviously, Justin Herbert and the weapons he has, Williams, Eckler, and, and Allen. Uh, what did you think of the move so far that the Chargers have made so far this offseason? It's fantastic. It's an arms race out there in the AFC West. That's going to be so fun to watch those games because that division is just loaded. The worst team in that division, in my mind, are the Las Vegas Raiders, <laughs> who made the playoffs this past year. Uh, I have no idea how, but just because I guess <laughs> clutch catches Chargers, by Zay Jones. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, because the Chargers can't stop a simple running play when they were trying to go for the tie. Uh, but J.C. Jackson loved the signing uh, there. Now you've got you know a shutdown corner. You've got elite elite secondary play when you're going up against Mahomes and Russell Wilson and Derek Carr and the rest of the AFC and now you've got this just pass rush it's just non-stop so just think about that it's not just a lot of teams have one or the other they've got a pass rush that's non-stop and then the back end it's like ah you know we'll just hope the pass rush gets there <laughs> but now I mean these guys have pro bowlers all throughout the defense so they're going to be outstanding I, I posed the question on Twitter earlier today I said which defense would you rather have for fantasy, Denver or the Chargers? And I'm interested to see how that those numbers uh, shake out tomorrow when the poll ends because both of these teams have just gone balls out. I mean, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa coming off the edge. I mean, I, I'll give them an A-plus outside of that uh, three-year, $60 million contract to Mike Williams, which is just stupid. Like You're guaranteeing 40 mil to Mike Williams here. I mean, what do we? There's like eight receivers in the NFL that used to be named Mike Williams. If you put all of them on the field at the same time, they're not worth that money. <laughs> That's pretty good. I so, the, for, just for fantasy, just don't put the Chargers defense against the Texans. You might be good then. Yeah, it's I, these are going to be one of the top three defenses taken in fantasy. It's going to be uh, the Chargers and the Broncos out of the AFC West, and they're going like we said, they're going to have to play Mahomes twice. They're going to have to play each other twice. Uh, you know, and then you get, I guess, the cake matchup of going up against Derek Carr twice. Mm. But don't, Derek Carr, for fantasy purposes, doesn't turn the ball over, so it doesn't help you. Don't but, forget about Russell Wilson. But don't worry. They, yeah, Russ Wilson in Denver. Don't worry. They don't have Zay Jones anymore, so their receiving core might what have got better. What is up with you and Zay Jones, man? <laughs> Zay We're, Jones the ones running naked down a hallway with his brother in a hotel. Remember that story? That's, <laughs> Zay Jones' claim to fame in Buffalo. <laughs> don't worry. He made the clutch catch to knock uh, to get in the, in the field range to knock out the Charger, so I'll give he's him that a, kind of credit. He's a nice receiver. I mean, for for fantasy, he's got nothing going on. But in terms of a real-life player, I think fans oftentimes, they they think just through a fantasy lens. And they go like, oh, well, Zay Jones, 
uh, or like a Cedric Wilson. Like these guys don't help me because they don't help my fantasy team. Where meanwhile, you could be an incredible blocker. You could have uh, a special teams role. So uh, those things help and they matter for real NFL teams. Although it doesn't help, you know, your ESPN.com fantasy league team. (laughs) Well, I will say this. By the way, we are talking to Pro Football Focus and Sirius XM host Brian Drake. I will say this. The power uh, you know, of the AFC all the way to the NFC over the years, it's always been the NFC uh, dominance and then the AFC. There is no difference. I mean, not only there is the difference now, but the difference of power now from the, from the NFC to the AFC is sensational. What are your thoughts to Tom Brady – Coming out of retirement after, like, I I guess two weeks, (laughs) three weeks, he comes out of retirement. And then Mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers uh, decides to sign that ultimately crazy big deal, which obviously puts his team in a really bad position. So uh, what are your thoughts to Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady coming back? I think both of those guys saw the writing on the wall. They saw where all of the players – the good talented players. And you can see how many great players have now signed in the AFC this year. I saw someone tweeted out earlier, the amount of even former NFC players who have signed in the AFC. It's like three to one, but they, they look around and go, wait a minute. You've got Russ is in uh, Denver. You've got, you know, Mahomes is over there. Josh Allen, Herbert Burrow. They look around the NFC. They go, There's nobody here. The <laughs> NFC is a joke. I mean, so Rogers like, I'm coming back here. I'm not, why would I go to Denver? I got a free pass to the NFC championship game. And then all I got to do is beat, you know, Dak and the Cowboys who trip over their dick every 10 minutes. They can't get anywhere. <laughs> you know, and so then Brady's probably sitting going, wait a minute. The only guy I got to beat is Aaron Rodgers. I beat him in his place two years ago. I'm coming back too. These guys have a collision course for the NFC championship game. So it's, to me, it's a no-brainer for these guys to come back. Everybody else stinks. <laughs> so from a general perspective, we've seen a lot of these teams now try to either go big or balance it out. And the two teams in the Super Bowl last year, the Rams and the Bengals, both kind of did those kinds of quick fixes. The Bengals purged a lot of bad contracts, got so many new defensive players at once, two years later go to a Super Bowl. And the Rams, they've done probably the most extreme operation of any GM I've ever seen, trading all the picks they have to get cer- certain star players and then filling in roles where they need to. Do you think other teams will start to adapt to that kind of thing now that you see the success that those two teams have making the Super Bowl? Even a team like the Chiefs, too, that they make the Super Bowl a lot. They made the AFC Championship five straight games, and they lose a lot of defensive players. It's all about that window. We're seeing that in Buffalo right now. I think you're seeing it in Denver. Again, Russell Wilson's no spring chicken. What was he, 33, 34 by Mm -hmm. the time the season gets going? So, I mean, they've got windows. They go, let's just go win now because – When you look at a team like the Saints have been doing this for years, their cap is just stressed beyond belief. They knew they had a window with Drew Brees. They lost on, uh, you know, that miracle play with Stephon Diggs down the sideline. They would have gone and played uh, in 2017, the NFC title game in Philly against Nick Foles. uh, And then they lost the following year. So they put all their eggs in one basket. Now, you know, those chickens come to roost because you've got to pay the piper or it's like, oh my God, we got all this cap space that uh, caught up to us and it's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. It's going to happen out there in green Bay in a few years. As soon as he's gone, you're going to have to go, Oh my God, we, what are we going to do with all this cap? Well, nothing. You're going to suck for a few years. So yeah, I like what teams are doing. They're putting everything on the table. They're saying we're all in for right now. And if you're the Buffalo bills and you got a young Josh Allen, let's go all in too. I, I love it. I, and 
if if you're the Cincinnati Bengals and while you're not paying Joe Burrow, you have to be all in these next three years. You have to be because as soon as you pay him, things change. Then you got to start paying T Higgins. Then you got to start paying uh, Jamar Chase. You know, then God forbid you find somebody to play defense for you. You're going to have to pay them. I think the Bengals, you know, they made it to the Super Bowl. They had a great run. They had a shot to win the Super Bowl. I thought they were completely overrated. Mm-hmm. I didn't think they were that great of a team. You know, I, I thought they got kind of hot at the end, called lightning in a bottle um, with playing. You know, it was an advantageous little schedule. You got to go up against a couple of teams, in my mind, that weren't that great uh, in terms of, you know, playing. the. I, you want to call the Titans the best team in the AFC? Mm-hmm. Come on. They, they were garbage. And then you get the Chiefs coming off that great game in Buffalo, where if the Chiefs score before halftime with Tyreek Hill, he doesn't get tackled at the one on that horrible play call. They might never come back. They were getting routed in that game. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see, though. They signed a couple offensive linemen, which is exactly what they need. And we'll see what happens with the Bengals this year. Uh, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Bengals are the third-best team in, the, uh, in their division right now. Well, Baltimore obviously made uh, some good moves, adding Smith, bringing mm-hmm. back uh, Smith from the Green Bay Packers. They added Marcus Williams, which solidifies that secondary, which is a pretty good secondary. So Baltimore is going to be a good defensive team. But remember, they lost Wink. So uh, Wink, Wink, uh, that that could affect their defense <laughs> this year as well. I think the Ravens are the best team in that division. Uh, they are. I mean, you look at they them. Are. Lamar is great. And then they didn't have Dobbins. They didn't have Gus Edwards. They had everybody. Every corner in the team got hurt. They were so decimated with injuries, and they still kind of made it inter- interesting at the end. So I like them, and I, I mean, have no trust in Mitch Trubisky. None at all. Oh, uh, stop it. Stop it. My Mitch. Old, I have been yeah, rooting sh- You're going to hang on to Mitch Trubisky now. <laughs> I love Mitch, man. I want to see Mitch succeed. I really do. I, I I feel bad for what they did to him in Chicago. I really do. I I I. I I just think that, you know, Nagy didn't really, you know, figure out what his strengths were and what his weaknesses were, and it really threw him under the bus. And then everybody wanted to blame it all on Mitch. You know, it's you all You say Mitch's that fault. about what Nagy did with Justin Fields this year. Yep. It's the same thing, yep. where you look at the team, they go, what is this guy doing? Mm-hmm. You know, and now he's going back to Kansas City, and oh, he's going to work with Patrick Mahomes. But <laughs> I don't think Andy Reid's going to let him screw that up too much. Well, he's not going to be coaching. I, I, don't, I don't see him as a, as a professional NFL coach ever again because he, he ruined two, you know, top-end quarterbacks. Trubisky was the, what, the second pick in the first round? And then yeah. you had Justin Fields, who arguably was one of the best quarterbacks in that class. He fell, obviously, the 10 or 11, which the Giants traded out of. And the mm-hmm. Giants got a first-round draft pick. But Justin Fields was a top-ten pick, too. And look what he – I think Justin Fields is going to succeed. And maybe Mitch going to Mike Tomlin, a player's coach, it could change everything for him. Maybe he figures things out. But I know you don't like the situation for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I don't think it's really Mitch Chabitsky. I, I would say they're wide receivers. Johnson looked good last year, and then everybody else, I don't know what happened to them. They all fell apart. The the it, horrible, and and they have a great defense. I I love what they did bringing in uh, Miles My, Jack, who I think is fantastic. By the way, I was mentioning earlier to, to Speedy Pete about it seems every year, whether it's free agency or the draft, the two teams who have amazing defensive talent fall into their laps are the Ravens and the Steelers. Every you look at the draft and you're like, how did this guy fall to him? And in free agency, oh hey, here's Miles Jack for free. That you know yesterday was with a different team. It just it blows you away, but I think with Trubisky, he can run around a little bit. That's going to help because that line just stinks, let's be honest. <laughs> so that'll help, and he can push the ball down the field. He just has to be a little more accurate and not turn the football over. 
Obviously, they're going to be without Juju Smith-Schuster uh, as he's a free agent this year, but you've got a great running game with Najee Harris. Deontay Johnson, I think, is a star as long as he can catch the football. And no team drafts wide receivers like the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if they go and, and draft another few studs and they still have Chase Claypool and James Washington kicking around. Uh, but with Mitch, my big thought on him was always, anybody could have had him a year ago for literally nothing. <laughs> and now people are going to tell me because he sat his ass on the bench behind an actual good quarterback that now he's good. Why? Because he played in one preseason game. It, it's crazy, but that's how fickle the NFL is. And that's how desperate teams are for quarterbacks mm-hmm. that, if you just sit behind someone, and in Philly, they did that for years. They traded Kevin Cobb for picks <laughs> in Philadelphia. Yeah. You know, it's like and if you just show a glimpse for 10 minutes, you'll, you'll have a job forever in the NFL. So speaking of the Eagles, you're a big Eagles guy. They signed Hassan mm-hmm. Reddick to a $15 million contract this year. I thought filling one of their biggest holes on that team, Absolutely. which was the middle of the field of their defense. Their run defense has always been good for years, but was a little down last year, too. Um, is there anything else that you would want them to prioritize more in free agency? I've actually seen more offensive and defensive line, like a lot of Eagles fans wanting that, even though it's been one of their strengths for years. you got a lot of picks. Yeah, so <laughs> what do you want them to do? Any particular player targets or positions? The Eagles made the playoffs this year, and it was a lot of smoke and mirrors, and a lot of it was because we added a seventh team uh, in the uh, NFL playoffs to each conference. Jalen Hurts is not very good. Let's be honest. For fantasy, he's great because he mm-hmm. runs. He couldn't throw the ball from wherever you're listening to this show to like the other side of the room. He could, if you're listening in your car, he couldn't throw it out the passenger side window. He's just not a good quarterback. And will he improve? Maybe, but they've got three first round picks. They desperately, desperately need help at corner. They have no safeties currently on the roster that can play right now. Like Marcus Epps would be one of their starting uh, safeties right now. So they're going to get some more pass rush help. Uh, Fletcher Cox is getting pretty old. Don't be shocked if they trade him down the line. Uh, They need another wide receiver. They keep striking out J.J. Ortega-Whiteside three years ago, Jalen Rager two years ago. Both guys are complete busts. Two guys Uh, I liked I was wrong on. Yeah, I mean, they need another receiver. They weren't wrong about Smith. <laughs> Smith's good, but, yeah. I mean, in, in terms of fantasy, if you look at it from that aspect, yeah. the guy sees four targets a game. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. If he was playing in an offense, like with a Joe Burrow or with a Mahomes, or, I mean, people would be talking about Devonta Smith is the second coming. You know, they go, this guy's Jerry Rice 2.0, but, you know, he sees three, four targets a game. What can you do? Uh, so, yeah, they need another receiver. And um, – you know, I, I I don't want to say that they're still in it for Deshaun Watson because he said he doesn't want to go there. But if there is ever a team that could put a, together a package for Deshaun Watson, it's the Eagles because nobody can match what they can give them. Mm. You could give them, I mean, multiple first-round picks all this year. You got picks next year. You've got assets like Jalen Hurts, who's on a rookie deal. You could give them Fletcher Cox who's an all-pro. You could give him Andre Dillard, who's a first-round pick at tackle to go out there. So there's players, there's picks. But if Deshaun doesn't want to go there, then he's just not going to go there. It's very interesting. We are talking to Pro Football Focus Sirius XM host Brian Drake. Last question for me, Brian. Uh, You look at the AFC, and we were just talking about it, in the AFC East, and New England uh, last year spent a lot of money. Mm -hmm. They really did. And 
Uh, obviously, we expect Buffalo to be the head of that division, like we saw last year. But New England was fighting for that division last year with Mac Jones. They lose Josh McDaniels. He goes to Vegas. Where do you see uh, the New England Patriots this year? A second year under his belt in Mac Jones and some of the the, uh, the four-headed monster running game that was – I mean, altogether, I think they have spent for four running backs. It's crazy, like fourteen million for four running backs. I, I mean, and their running game was fantastic, and and their defense was one of the best in the league. Where, where do you see the New England Patriots going in uh, in, in the off season and moving into the the new season? You know, I really liked the, what Mac Jones did last year, and we had to do projections uh, or predictions, excuse me, over at PFF about uh, who we thought rookie of the year was, and I said Mac Jones over Jamar Chase because to me he's a quarterback he's a quarterback on a team that fought to the end to make the playoffs and to me that's that's very impactful and you saw what he did uh in that Sunday night game against Brady uh you know he was just very composed and I think he's going to be a very good quarterback going forward and for fantasy I mean nobody talks about Mac Jones and, and why would they unless they get another receiver or two and I think in this draft they're going to take a couple of shots at that and it wouldn't shock me if they spent a little money. Maybe Allen Robinson shows up there. Really? Uh, hey, hey, they need somebody. They I have mean, the geez, money to get Allen Robinson? You got to have somebody. I mean, you can't win in this league when you've got to outscore in the AFC Mahomes and Herbert and Allen. You're going to do that with Nelson Aguilar and, <laughs> and you know, Jacoby Myers and these type of guys. I mean, it's not going to happen. So. I'm interested to see what they do now on offense without, uh, you know, I think what they bring Bill O'Brien in now who's going to run the offense. Um, that's an offense that's built from the inside out. Charlie Weiss built that offense years ago. It was from the slot receiver to the tight ends and it went out. And now you look at this team and you go, well, I mean, who's playing slot for them? And you've got these two tight ends and they just don't have any firepower on the outside. But as long as Bill J- Belichick's there, guys, I'll never, ever count this team out. And I think they're going to be in the running for a playoff spot and in a division championship again. So last question for me. Some of the fantasy beneficiaries of a lot of these big trades we've seen already, Russell Wilson especially going to Denver, those receivers have been looking for it for a while, Aaron Rodgers going back to Green Bay, things like that. Who do you think benefits the most in terms of like the offensive skill players and also maybe even the quarterbacks themselves? Where do you think their stock ends up even on another team? I think it's all the guys in Denver. Uh, you know, if you're looking at Jerry Judy, if you're looking at Cortland Sutton, even KJ Hamler, uh, and, and of course, uh, Albert O, I'm not going to try to Albert Obui Kunum, I believe is how you say his <laughs> last name, but those guys, I mean, it, they're all going to go through the roof because Russell Wilson now is a competent quarterback. You're not dealing with Teddy Bridgewater. You're not dealing with Drew Locke. You're dealing with an NFL caliber player. Uh, so I, I love all those guys for fantasy this year. And you're going to see Javante Williams, depending on, if Melvin Gordon comes back, or maybe even not, Javante Williams could be a first-round pick in fantasy. Uh, and we saw what he did in the game where he had all the touches, and he put up – I think he's still scoring touchdowns in that Sunday night game. He was out of control. <laughs> uh, but I love uh, the guys in Denver. I think they're going to be set up for success. I love James Conner in Arizona. We'll see if they bring somebody else in to compliment him. I'm sure they will. Uh you know, and, they lost the uh, running back, didn't they? Yeah, Edmonds. Edmonds, Edmonds, Edmonds went to Miami, Miami yeah. and now, but that's the problem is we sit here in, in terms of football kind of fantasy prognosticators and we say, hey, James Conner, he's now the guy in Arizona. Well, I mean, in reality, free agency started today. 
And we still have this thing called the NFL draft. So there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of things that can happen between now and September. So saying, oh, James Conner, he's going to be a top 10 fantasy running back. Okay, great. And then they draft Brees Hall in the second round and he's in a timeshare and he gets beat out by a more talented rookie. I mean, and now you're sunk. So we just got to see what happens. So just take it one day at a time here in the fantasy world. Knowing Cliff Kingsbury, he'll probably draft a 180-pound receiver and put him at running back. <laughs> hey, you know, yeah, he'll end up, you know, one of these guys, uh, you know, maybe get James Cook out of Georgia or something. He'd fit in well there. They better make a run this year uh, or uh, Kingsbury is going to be looking for a new job. Uh, I'll tell you yeah, that right now. Is he going to keep that kick-ass mansion that he was at for the draft? <laughs> I had that, I, I, who cares? <laughs> Oh, man, that guy is a lucky man. I'll tell you that right now. What a lucky. How, how do you get a job? How do you get a job when you, you really never even coached a college football team? You were an what, assistant, and you get an NFL job. And now you're, you've been there. You get your quarterback. You, you drafted a quarterback. You gave up on him, and you get the, the number one pick, and you get your Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray has his problems on and off the field. Uh, after losing that game, he's complaining. His agent's talking for him. He wants more money. Kingsbury's sitting there, t- chatterbox. I mean, this team is as talented as they were this this past year. This team has been nothing but a chatterbox. I, I I don't know what the hell's going on with that team on and off the field. Go look up, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's house, and then Google the house Lincoln Riley got from USC, and oh, just I see how that. large yeah. these guys are living uh-huh. out there, and how great it is to be a head coach for one of these teams. But yeah, like you said, with, with those guys. I, they just fizzle out every single year. And it seems Arizona just keeps kind of the talent is eroding, you know, and you've got an older uh, DeAndre Hopkins and he was hurt last year. Now you lost Christian Kirk, AJ Green's a free agent. So it's kind of now it's like it's Rondell Moore. He's got to step up and be your second wide receiver. So they're going to be drafting, I would say one or two receivers and and they'll probably be in the market for some of these low end free agents. Maybe they re-sign AJ Green, get him back in the fold, but. Yeah, it's going to be interesting out there in the NFC, but it's so low, it's so wide open. Who cares? You could be the crappiest team out there. You're in the NFC. Great, you're still in the playoffs. Right. All you got to can you beat the Eagles who run the ball like it's an Army Navy game? Great, now you're in. It's wide open, just like Cliff Kingsbury's house. All, yeah. all, you, have to, all you have to do the to qualify raid. the hard thing to do to qualify is somewhat coach Oklahoma for a little bit, and you'll be good. Just get a big mansion after that. Let's just throw a party over there. How's that sound? Hey, I'm in. Let's go. I'll, I'll bring the. I'll... I'll bring the Heinekens and we'll rock and roll. Yeah, well, we need some, uh, you know, all the, the different liquors. What do we have over there? Speedy's favorite because he, he's the liquor and, and beer drinker. I so. see a Captain I'm a, Morgan. I'm a liquor salesman in real life. Really? Are you? Yes, really? I do. If you see behind me, if you folks are watching on YouTube, why wouldn't you be watching the Sports Loudmouths on YouTube <laughs> and, and Twitch and whatever? You know, you see behind me. I got, too. Look at that. Yeah, I got my bu- I got bullet bourbon. I got some Buffalo Trace up I there. Some Blantons. <laughs> you know, if you're into bourbons, I got that. Kettle One, Captain, you know. There you go, Jeff. XO. There you go, Jeff. Uh, you know where Oh, yeah, to go. I just see the Kettle One now that, I, now that you mentioned that. Yeah, I got it. We'll move. <laughs> oh, there you go. You got a whole other side. Oh, Very nice. Man. Brian, thank you for joining us. Tell the fans how they can find you on social media. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Drake Fantasy. I host a little podcast with Dwayne McFarland of PFF called The Fantasy Football Hustle. Check that out on YouTube. Uh, we're on Twitter at FF Hustle. 
And then hopefully we'll be back again this year, Sirius XM, doing the PFF show on the weekends, mm. Saturdays and Sundays. Well, we'd love to get you back on as uh, the draft moves forward and, and where everything falls, because I think the draft is really going to make a difference on where you see uh, the, the offseason, where you're going to grade them from A, B, or C, or maybe even F, because I could say a lot of teams, a.k.a. the Jacksonville Jaguars, where I give them a grade. <laughs> Look at the 2020 F. Raiders, are the perfect example of I F. feel <laughs> So bad for Trevor Lawrence and where he's sitting right now. I, I yeah. really do. For for all the talent that he is and what everybody says, he's going to change the game. He's the next Andrew Luck, a.k.a. Peyton Manning. Why would I want to be there? <laughs> yeah, Doug Peterson and Press Taylor is your coaches, and your best receiver is Christian Kirk. There you go. Good luck. Great. Better talent at Clemson. <laughs> well... Uh, yes. You know, what an interview, by the way. Uh, thank you, Brian, for taking your time, and we'll we'll talk to you soon. Brian Thanks, Drake. Guys. Brian Drake, ladies and gentlemen. Awesome interview. Knows his stuff. Uh, check out his Sirius XM show, as he t- was talking about on the weekend. If you want to buy liquor from him, well, you know how to get a hold of him, too. <laughs> he's, got, he, he's got tons of bourbon, as he was saying, uh, right behind him, and uh, that's what he does for a living. So there you go, Speedy. You like liquor, man. You should reach out to Brian. Yeah, liquor salesman. I mean, you get to experiment. We were actually uh, when I was uh, doing our our old test, we were ch- we were chatting about different types of beers too. He, he introduced me to some new names. <laughs> yeah, right now we're going. I got uh, the Southern Tier Two X Haze. Uh, double juicy IPA, seven percent. There you go, Speedy. That's a beer right there for you. So, all right, I have to keep that name in mind too, Brian. He, yeah, a lot of lot of good stuff here in upstate New York. Yeah, so. he loves his beer too. I, I mean, I don't drink. I, I only drink once a year on my birthday. There you I, go. Yeah, but uh, I, I do get a little crazy on my birthday. So maybe Brian, you come out here. You live upstate. You come and celebrate my birthday, man. I mean, have a little fun. You bring your wife. Everybody I knew in Kyle, I went to school at Oswego State University upstate. If you're real, you know, you guys know about that if you're downstate. Because if you couldn't afford to go to Syracuse, you just went another 40 minutes up the road to Oswego and uh, hung out there. But I went to a many a graduation party and, and hung out downstate. Uh, where'd we go? East Northport, Long Island. I remember going to somebody's yes. party down there. Yes. East Northport's right by me. I live in Wisconsin. It's like, uh, I would say, 15 minutes away from the East Northport. But if you're on the, the LIE, it's an hour and a half. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Actually, the worst the worst highway here is 347. It is the worst. You do not want to drive on 347. And where I work during the day, uh, during the week, it's horrible. It's bumper-to-bumper traffic, and people don't know how to drive. And the older people just... They look like they're ready to kill you. I think – I'll say this for all the New York fans out there. And I've said this many, many times on our FM show on the weekend. If you are 60 or older, you should have to go for a driving test every five years. These people that are on the road are going to kill everybody. I, I swear to God, I, lay, uh, old, lay, old women giving me the middle finger today because I'm trying to get through to them, and they're sitting in – the middle lane. I mean, they're they're sitting in two lanes in the middle of the lane. So uh, they're horrible drivers, and and I, I just I don't understand it. But you want to know something? The roads aren't good either. So where do all our politically taxes go? Well, it goes into everybody's pockets, but the roads. So there you go. That's a, I gotta find out where the all this money from uh, these DraftKings and MGM and where sports books where that cash went. I'll tell you My where it goes. Kid- my kids should be eating filet mignon at school and reading from gold-plated textbooks 
with the money, billions of dollars already going into the pockets uh, because of the money that people here in New York State are gambling. Just, just, just wait in 10 years. There won't even be books. <laughs> It's crazy. Politicians. That's where it's going. Our, our gas prices are shooting up because of our dear old president. And by the time we're, he's done, uh, it'll be at $7 a gallon. So thank you to uh, the p- politicians out there. And I, I'm, not, I'm not here to talk you know, po- political stuff or anything like that. But our country right now is just in a shamble of crap. Okay? So that's all I'm going to say. Anyways, thank you, Brian. You got it, guys. Cheers. Have a good night. Brian Drake, ladies and gentlemen. Awesome. <laughs> Jeff says all the cash went to Terry Pagula's new stadium. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a possibility, too. Probably. <laughs> I mean, seriously, it's just horrible what's going on, you know, in the world. Ukraine and Russia. I mean, it's just yeah. nothing, it, nothing good is happening in this world. Honestly. I mean, our health. I mean, we have our health. That's about it. I mean, everything else is just... Kenny for president. I haven't seen Kenny. I haven't talked oh, to Kenny. What happened Kenny? Kenny? The There's last a... time we had Kenny on the show, he was smoking wax. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Snug, you're bringing, bringing back a real throwback. <laughs> I don't remember the last time I even thought of Kenny. Eli, uh, Eli playing next year. <laughs> <laughs> he retired two years ago. <laughs> yep. Kenny's getting ready for uh, for Pat Shermer's introductory press conference. Miami Heat. I haven't heard from him either. No, Miami Heat. We haven't heard from since we were in Bohemia. He's probably in jail. Stick <laughs> <laughs> like, says that's not true. Cupcakes are baked every day. Well, uh, it's, Miami Heat needed a cupcake because uh, uh, you know he was spazzed out too. I mean, I I will say this. And I, I love the different people that have, tu- you know, tuned into the show and the crazy, you know, noxious people like Jeff. <laughs> I, I will say this. There, there's nothing there's nothing better to have a dedicated person, a dedicated fan, even Snug, dedicated fan that puts the time in to listen to us, has fun with us during the show, have their own, you know, obviously opinions towards what we say. And listen, we're not always right. I, I don't think we're always right at all. But we like to entertain people, and we like to give people their, our own thoughts of what's going on in sports. And I, I think that's what – and it's not about educating people because there's – like Jeff, he's very educated when it comes to sports. Even Snug is, I mean, when it comes to betting and stuff like that. Carl's very educated. All these guys, they're very educated on what they watch and what they they agree with. So, listen, you know, you have your own opinion. We have ours. But I, I really appreciate all the fans that tune into us, even – the crazy ones like Kenny, Miami <laughs> Heat, you know, all the the crazy. We've had other crazy ones, too. Oh, right? yeah. You know. oh, I'd love to know uh, Miami Heat's opinion on uh, all the Dolphins' weird free agent signings already. <laughs> and by the way, uh, Freeman, uh, what did Freeman sign with the Dodgers? Hey, he, signs, uh, he signs something with the Dodgers. Uh, Freeman. Uh, I, I'm, I'm looking at Freddie Freeman right now. I bet you it's a four-year deal. I bet you it's a four-year deal. Let's see. What, what's the what's the agreement, Speedy? Here it is. Free agency, Dodgers. Not finalized yet, uh, but six years, 160 wow. range is what it looks like. So I, and what did I tell you? What did I tell you? If he was going to sign a contract, it had to be more than four years. Mm-hmm. And what did he get? A six-year deal. Yeah, it, Again, actual deal, actual deal not finalized yet. Actually, it's not a lot of money for a great player like that. But I think being that he's thirty, no, it's it's about it's a it's about I would say 
160 divided by 160 divided by six. Yeah, it's it's less than thir- it's less than thirty a uh, less He's than thirty a, great a year. It, it's in the low twenties. And uh, our uh, resident uh, Red Sox fan slash uh, tr- uh, college football commentary of coaching in the comment section has called back. What's up, Jeff? You're incredible. That was actually incredible. You went. Oh, I'll bet you well, Freddie Freeman didn't sign for more than four years. Yeah. And then it's six years, whatever, and you go, see, what did I tell you? I knew it was going to be <laughs> I was waiting. You know, what's so fu- you know what's so funny? I was thinking I was waiting for him to call because I knew he was going to tag me on that. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what you just did. That's exa- Hold on. Is it not exactly what you that. just did? Yeah, I did. It's right. Oh, what did I tell you? You're wrong again. Oh, and then you're like Cliff Kingsbury was but, never head coach. But wrong Speedy, again. what did I say before this? I said that the Yankees weren't going to give him more than four years. I I I I was very surprised. Oh, that no, 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 no. You just said I'll bet it's not more than four years. And then you go, see what did I tell you? More than four years. Right. You're so dumb. All right. By the way, the average All annual right. value would be twenty twenty six point six million per year mm-hmm. for the, if if that projected deal comes in. It's not official yet, but it's going to be in that six year one sixty million range. If, yeah. if Friedman's of the Dodgers. I just think the two year to two extra years is a little too much. But By the way, if you guys don't have the Notre Dame Rutgers game on right we now, don't, you're, we don't. You're, you're missing out if you don't have it. Oh yeah, right. no, we this have it on. Incredible. We have it on right now. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a double overtime. Seventy nine eighty one. I never thought I would say anything from New Jersey was entertaining, but here we are with Rutgers. No, R- Rutgers has been a growing <laughs> basketball program, and they should have won, did coach. better last year too. They, they, they blew it badly against Houston. Yeah, yeah, I know that they lost. They they beat Michigan State a couple of times. I think this they beat year. Purdue. They yeah, home. they beat Purdue. Yeah, they beat a lot of good teams this year. And they have a good coach. He's from Stony Brook, and and I, I root I root on Rutgers because. Yeah, it's a New Jersey team, but uh, you have a Stony Brook coach there. And also, he, he was on uh, Calhoun's coaching staff. Yeah. He came from UConn. So I, I, root, I root on guys that are, you know, obviously from around here. And uh, actually never got a chance to interview him, but I met him a couple times. He, he, he is a really, really nice guy. So, uh, you know, let, let's see what the, the Rutgers could do. They, if they could sneak into the, you know, the playoffs, who do they play? Alabama? Alabama. Now, Alabama's not as good as they were last year, but still a prolific offensive team. Rutgers has, uh, Rutgers has a good balance. They're more of a defensive team as a whole, but still have some level of good balance. So if Alabama's defense is just as bad as they've been this regular season, Rutgers could definitely steal a game there. Texas Tech is probably going to be a little bit of a tougher matchup because Texas Tech has a lot more size that can contend with that Rutgers size mm. if they meet in the second round. Uh, Snug also says... Rutgers was one of nine Big Ten teams this year. They are battle-tested in the tournament. Mm. Uh, I feel like Freeman will be able to feed his kids on $20 million a year. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the feed hell Chris brought. His $500,000 a year. I don't, I don't know if he'll only be able to feed his kids for that because it's only a four-year deal. Shut no up, more than, I guarantee you it's no more than four years. Shut up, Jeff. Sucks as I want what? to hear Miami Heat's this, opinion on everything. I've, I've <laughs> never seen someone actually do that before, where literally it was two sentences. Of, oh, I bet it's not one of four years. And then Speedy goes, ah, six years, one eighty or whatever. See, six I years, one sixty is the projected price range. They are no, there's whatever. no official statement it, on the exact was, contract yet. It was hilarious. He tries to make himself seem right all the time. He hasn't been right about anything. All my, oh, but really? Signed Freddie. Yeah. Oh, really? I haven't been right. I haven't been right. Wait a second. I haven't been right. At all? Well, get out of here, Jeff. Uh, well, get well, out of here, Jeff. Let's, let's review tonight. Uh, you said Cliff Kingsbury was never a head coach. That's uh, wrong. Oh, I bet you it's a four-year deal. No, six. And then you go, see, I told you it'd be more than four years. Wrong again. 
You said Red Sox were going to sign him. Wrong again. I said the Red Sox were the lead team to get him, and I wouldn't be surprised if they get him. I didn't say they were going to get him. I Wrong said they were the again. lead. Well, I didn't Wrong say that. Again. No, I didn't say they were going to get him. I said they were the lead team to get him. Okay? I and, can't wait for the show where you get something right. You're going to have a parade for yourself. Oh, shut up, Jeff. You are a pain in my ass. You will. Ass. You'll have a, you'll have a you're, great You're, you're, you're going to give me a right. heart attack when I deal with your freaking craziness, man. It's so great. To you're, see nuts. How, like, you're nuts. You're nuts, man. How many man. times you can be wrong in one night, dude? It's amazing. Yeah. I love it, dude. Mm-hmm. You know what? You, you know how many times you've been wrong in one night? Not tonight, uh, but most so of the far. time. Yeah, yeah, so far, not at all, huh? Yeah, well, there was nothing that you uh, said oh, that was oh, right yeah, anyways. That's, that's you didn't tell me. Were, Hold on. You didn't say he was going to the Dodgers. You didn't say he was going to the Dodgers. You didn't You didn't say. What are you talking about? You didn't say that he was going to the Dodgers. What are you talking about? You said the Padres and Red Sox. I said it's not a done deal. I said he'd probably go out west. The Dodgers are still there and the Padres are still there. You said the Padres. Yeah, that's what you said. I said he couldn't. Yeah, no, they're both. Eat it but off the, the plate, buddy. I, I said the, the Red Sox, and they were the lead oh. team to get them. Oh, yeah. Were they not? They were. Well, I'm just glad he didn't sign. Uh, I'm just glad he didn't sign for more than four years. That's a relief. Yeah. Well, Stark says, can I be in the parade? I wish the Red Sox had signed him, and I want to ride Snug, on a cat float. Yeah, snuggle, throw, snuggle provide the cupcakes for the parade. Errol's going to throw himself a parade once he's right once. <laughs> Shut up, Jeff. Goodbye, Jeff. I love it. Yeah, I'll be listening to see how many more you can be wrong. Goodbye, it's Jeff. Thanks for lacing up. Goodbye, the Jeff. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Please. Let me jump off a bridge listening to that. Oh, my God. Anyways. Yes, Snug, you could bring the cupcakes. Uh, yes, you can bring the cupcakes and maybe bring Jeff a beer or something. So, yeah. I don't know. Jeff probably would need more than a beer to push through a parade. Finger up his ass you. or something. You know? No, that's what you would want. Uh, that's not what I want. I think no, that's not what you, Jeff... but you would be encouraging it. Uh, well, well, <laughs> well, Jeff, I can encourage anything. <laughs> Maybe I'll buy him a pool so he can drown in it. <laughs> oh, man. What a show. Thank yeah. you, Jeff. <laughs> Uh, I'd like to thank uh, Thomas Casale, uh, as everybody knows, the NBC Sports Edge betting college basketball analyst. He was fantastic. Thank you for joining us. Um, also, uh, Pro Football Focus Sirius XM host Brian Drake for joining us. Uh, what is he saying? How long is the parade going to be? I don't know. As long as you eat that cupcake. How's that sound? Uh, that is it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we will be back. Tomorrow, who do we got tomorrow? So tomorrow, right at the beginning of the show at nine o'clock, joining us will be former Chiefs Pro Bowl pass rusher Tom Bahali. Will be joining the show. Also is Tom Bahali. Also is doing a a lot of uh, music stuff now. A lot of uh, African music stuff, which is very interesting as well. So he'll be joining us at right at the start of the show around nine. Jeff's favorite baby. And then at ten thirty. Favorite. And at ten thirty p.m. we will have uh, Dynasty Fantasy Football content creator Jesse Reed. Mm, interesting. Great show. Speedy, great gets, man. Tabaha Lee joining us. Mm-hmm. Perfect time to end the show. Don't want to get anything right. Yes. Thank you, uh, Snug. I can ride the cat float. I feel uh, honored. Oh, Jeff. He's, so, he's such a pain in the ass. Does he ever shut up? Really? Seriously. Anyways, uh, that's it. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Until then, this is Errol Marks and Speedy PD saying we'll talk to you then. Good night. You're you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.